All right, hey everybody, welcome to the Collective Podcast. My name is Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 61 with Gavin Rothery, part two. If that's not confusing, I don't know what is. This is going to be uh, the continuation of our talk from part one, episode 60. If you didn't get that one, we have a link in the description so you can get there. This is our continued conversation about the things that we love, how Gavin's gone to create his career and where he's at now. This week's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Basecamp. Basecamp is this awesome product that I've been using and it helps really with keeping everything together, keeping your projects and everything in line, keeping uh, your team, understanding what's going on. It just keeps everything much cleaner and concise rather than a bunch of email chains. If you value your time like I do, it's it's a tool that really helps you with your day with keeping everything just on the up and up so everybody knows what's going on. It's really great for multiple people. I use it just for myself often too, as I mentioned in prior episodes where uh, if I'm de- developing something, I just have it as a thread of going back to so I can remember what exactly I'm doing. But if you have a team of multiple people to people to 50 people it really helps as well for just kind of keeping everybody on the same page you know so everybody understands who's doing what when they're doing it how they're doing it and and it just keeps a really good streamline of communication going so it's a super valuable thing Uh, we have a link to basecamp.com at the bottom of the podcast you can try it free for 60 days no credit card needed it's an awesome product give it a try i think you really enjoy it And thanks to them, we have episode 61, part two with Gavin Rothery. Here we go. What do you think of the future? What do you think is going? I I have a lot of theories and, and comments about that. Especially with the change of medium, because I always, I always look, I look at films. I love films, but I look at them as books, and at the internet, and and I look at films now. Be kind of, they're they're dying in a way where their impact is fading. They're like the Broadway musical, so they're like for guys like us, we'll go like we've got to be a part of this because it's part of our our pat our past our, our it's 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 uh, something about us, you know, and it's part of our past basically. But the future generation are going to be consuming things on a whole different level using vr oculus uh all these different um ways of consuming information what do you think about how this is all going especially for wanting to make films and stuff do you think that there's always going to be a place for it and content creating i do but i'm just you know i'm just curious what you think on it yeah i think ultimately there's there's always going to be a role for somebody who's got an idea for something and can bring it in assemble a team and bring it in whatever that is and what i mean i've worked in the games industry for gosh, since like 96 um i've worked in film since like 2003 you know so I've, got, I've had like loads of different careers that all cross over each other along the way i mean i've worked as a commercial illustrator there's all kinds of stuff graphic designer um you know all kinds of things everything yeah um, yeah. yeah yeah all sorts of stuff i've worked you know visual effects i've worked on i've worked in every department in visual effects right through up to supervision and all you know all sorts of stuff um the Ultimately, things are going to need to get made. I don't think we're going to see films going away because they're... I think what we are seeing <clears throat> is a real split between... Um, what's the right term to use? It, there's entertainment which is passive and entertainment which is um, the opposite of passive, which is the word I can't remember. What's the opposite of passive? Interactive. Yeah, interactive. So yeah. You've got interactive entertainment and passive entertainment. 
And there's always been this, well, like for the last kind of 15 years or so, there's been this big chat about games are trying to become films and films are trying to become amusement park rides. Um, and a lot of things, I think, are quite misplaced. When you think about film, film is like so broad as a category. It can mean so many things. Think about television. You know, it could be like a really serial, serial, serious serialized drama like The Wire, or it could be like a, a half an hour sitcom, 25-minute uh, episode sitcom like uh, Space. Or, you know, television could be all kinds of different things. It could be documentary. Um, it could be the news. You know, it could be anything. Um, so I think when you look at them as medium, there's all kinds of sub-mediums that, that are quite safe, like documentary films are quite safe. You know, they, what you need to make a documentary film now is not really much different than what you needed to make a documentary film 20 years ago. Sure. What you, needed now, what you need now to make, you know, a cutting-edge science fiction film is very different than what you needed to make one 20 years ago. You know, so there's, there's different types of, types of thing that, that, that matter in different ways. Um, ultimately, I think the main divide I see is, whether, is when you look at uh, passive entertainment and interactive entertainment. Um, and I've, I've been in the games industry and the film industry watching everybody around me talking about this stuff. And there's a, there's a lot of people I know that work in the games industry, and I read this kind of stuff constantly in articles, and it, it, it just blows my mind because it's just wrong. And people talk about games, and, they, and they'll, they'll get these game designers <laughs> and stuff, and say, the most important thing about a computer game is the story, and we start with the story, and we focus on the story. There's always gameplay is another big one, right? It's the most important thing about a game is what you're doing moment to moment, pressing the buttons on the keypad, and that that is fun, engaging, and feels right. Um, that's the most important thing about a game. Um, and there's so many people that work in game that want to make that want to work in film, and there's a lot of people that work in film that want to work in game, and it's mainly because they don't they haven't experienced the other industry, and so they don't really know what it is. But it's very appealing to them, and they just everybody talks about it being better in the next field. So everyone wants to go in there. Yeah. And uh, ultimately, I think it's all about <laughs> passive entertainment or interactive entertainment. This is where the Oculus becomes quite interesting because, excuse me, I've been a huge fan of VR ever since I first became aware of the concept. And the interesting thing that Oculus is going to do is really force the people making things to decide whether their um, piece of entertainment is interactive or passive. Yeah. Yeah, you could say you could say yeah, people will watch a film in in uh, you know with an Oculus rig, and you could totally do that. There's many ways of doing that. You know, you could you could have a virtual theater. You could put the headset on, and it would just be a virtual experience of sat in a cinema watching a two dimensional screen, but in virtual reality. You know, or you could um, film shoot the film a certain way, or treat the film a certain way, so that it gives you a certain sphere of vision inside there, and you are the camera, and you can move your head around, and you are literally in the film, or you know. Depending on the approach of the project, it could go a whole lot deeper than that. You know, you could have um, actors with you know hidden camera rigs on the on the clothes and the bodies that are actually capturing certain information that is used to stitch together a you know um, a certain perspective. And when you when you're going through a piece of drama, you can switch to a different character and see things from their perspective. Things like that. Yeah, you have a car yeah. chase, and the you know your head if you like, could be you know, at numerous points around the car, like down on the front by the bonnet or up on the roof or, you know, all kinds of things. And so you're watching a, you're watching a film, but you're basically switching cameras to get the most dynamic and um, interesting view. One of the things that's going to happen with Oculus is porn. I mean, oh, porn, yeah. Drives, yeah. porn drives everything. I mean, it drove... Yeah, it VHS, does. It drives technology. Drove the, yeah. the internet. Did, yeah, it drove I the internet, yeah. yeah. I mean, there'll be all kinds of Oculus porn where... <laughs> oh, yeah. There will, you know, there'll just be... I think the interesting thing I'm looking forward to with Oculus is 
how is like the, the kind of custom rigs that that kind of come about to be able to capture whether it's a full 360 immersion or 180 degrees or whatever it is like yeah i'm really curious yeah. to see what these camera rigs are because i think the, the thing that's going to happen with oculus is all these rigs will turn up they'll be primarily using palm but we'll also have other applications people will get their hands on the camera and start doing other things with it and you'll start seeing like a couple of short films and stuff coming out using these weird camera rigs that will do weird things to the viewing experience yeah and you know they'll they'll probably start to cross over between i mean you could say that um, you know, you, you're watching a film with an Oculus headset on and your head is a camera and you can move your head around and see different things. So you could argue that that is passive and interactive at the same time because, you know, the events are happening around you and you can't influence the events, but you can influence where you look. Um, you can have a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing, though, too. Yeah, I mean, the danger stuff. with that is that you're going to be, you know, you risk missing things and the whole point of a film is to very carefully set things up to... Well, the, first, the film that we know now, yeah, exactly that. But it's almost like... Have you seen her yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked her personally. And yeah, I, it was good. I thought um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it's that smart it was a writing. little overhyped. I'm it was not a quite little sure. what? A little bit overhyped. I mean, I love I love <laughs> like Jones has done for me. Just go yeah. straight to the queue. I hate when shit's uh, overhyped. <laughs> I hate it when shit's overhyped because nothing yeah, to live up just, to that. But I didn't I didn't let anybody hype it up too much for me. I, didn't a, care. I had everybody telling me it was like, oh, watch this film, watch this film. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. But I just, I, re I resent the hype. I just want to watch it and enjoy it myself. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I just shut that shit out because I'm just like, yeah, you know, like I'll watch it when I'm ready. And then, uh, you know, when I do, it's going to be that experience. And no matter what you, that's the same thing. I just, I just say, I don't, you know, that's cool. I'm really glad you like it. But I'm just, until I watched it, I'm not really, I'm not really listening to anything really. I'm just going to go watch it, you know. Do you not find you get a lot of people on Twitter though wanting to know what you thought about it? Yeah, but I just you know like yeah I don't <laughs> and that's just my opinion too you know <laughs> yeah no but it's, it's just my opinion too and I don't want to you know like for I want to respect that creator too because I enjoyed it so much and I know that it the guy's obviously really smart and his writing's very smart and the way he uses these things I I felt was really smart. I mean not every not everybody I know likes it completely. They have a lot of problems with the ending. Whereas I find it I need to watch it again. I've only done one watch of it, but I really Wait. found it to be really uh, a really nice commentary on a possible future which I thought was interesting. It wasn't dystopia and there you know th there was some to it but it was mostly about the main premise of life which is uh humans and, and our want and desire to be loved and understood and communicate that and how he used the operating system was almost a shaman to push him through to it so it was like a psychological like um pure partner and i thought that was just really smart i thought i just just thought it was a very smart way of dealing with the uh, a future problem which is obviously the same thing and it's a way of telling a story but I just for me I was just like this is great I just it really connected with me and I, I just thought it was very intellectually stimulating and in my uh, my mind went crazy with all kinds of different ideas and you know interpretations and stuff because I, I, I really enjoy weird abstract films um, that are way odd and different and, and there's certain feelings that they give me like Lost Highway like David Lynch films or Usually, oh, David Lynch. Uh, what a guy. Honestly. Yeah, it's very interesting stuff, you know. And um, have you done any reading on that? Anth my friend Anthony brings up a lot of stuff from him, and uh, we do like he does a lot of heavy um, studying and stuff on um, 
breathing techniques, uh, uh, hypnosis and like, um, meditation states and stuff like altered states of mind. It's like pretty crazy. Um, if you get to know a little bit more about what he's into, which probably yeah, makes I a lot of sense why he, what, I read a, why he, does what he does. It was an interview that I, <clears throat> um, saw it was on YouTube. I'm on YouTube a lot, just digging around. I'll just look for people whose work I respect and just look for interviews with them. Yeah, those are great. So much stuff out there. Just oh, like, so much. You can, you can just, consume just it look all. look for like Quentin Tarantino interview. And oh, God. Things yeah. And you just, there's nuggets of information and gold and golden diamonds everywhere. He's very transparent, but, um, too. I, there was one with um, David Lynch, and I was listening to it, and it really, really creeped me out. <laughs> what was one was it? About, I mean, he's a, the thing I, I love about David Lynch, he's a very honest guy, and obviously he's, you know, he can go to some dark places and stuff, but he's very, um, he seems like a very honest guy, and he was talking in this interview about um, how he really wanted to get hold of a cat to study it, and he wanted a dead cat. Yeah. And so he got in touch with a local vet, it, just have a little look on YouTube, it'll be out there. He got in touch with um, a local vet and said, uh, have you got any dead cats? I want to I want to like dissect one and just study it. Yeah. And uh, the vet was they like, stink. Oh, the vet was like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't just give you a dead cat. <laughs> and eventually, after, um, he said like, just, you know, keep me in mind if you get one. Um, and eventually, <laughs> after a little while, it's, he got older one. It was like, this cat's been run over or something. It just kind of appeared. Oh. I was like, yeah, I've got a cat. You can have this cat, but you didn't get it from me, all right? So he got this cat, took it home. He's all signed my lost highway DVD. <laughs> <laughs> and I dissected this cat, and he's like, yeah, okay, great. Spent like a you know a few nights, whatever, dissecting this cat. Um, and he's like, okay, um, got a dissected cat. And he's like, right, what what happens to a dissected cat if it's left outside? So he left it outside for a couple of weeks, and then went back and collected it, and you know, studied it, took it in his cellar, cut it up a bit more. And then um, he's like, okay, he found like a, I don't know, there was like a tar pit or something. He ended up putting this sort of knackered, dissected cat in a tar pit and leaving it there for a couple of years and then going back and taking a lot of photographs of it. And there were all these really, really creepy black and white <laughs> photographs of this. You couldn't really tell it was a cat because of all the tar on it and it had been outside for like, it. was like half sunken in this tar pit and half sticking out the top. <laughs> it was so dark. Just is about that dark or is that, is that just curiosity? Because Da Vinci oh, had the same kind of thing where I yeah, find yeah. to be, I think that's a sign of a, a, a almost not, not necessarily a genius, but a very inquisitive, curious mind. For sure, for sure. It was just a, a very strange thing to come across because yeah. I was kind of maybe expecting a couple of stories about how he was doing some stuff on a film set. <laughs> no, thing. that's how he is though, yeah. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, he's an interesting guy, but and that particular thing was, uh, yeah, just a strange thing. Um, just talking about Spike Jones, have you seen I'm Here? I haven't seen uh, that yet. <laughs> it's a 30-minute long um, piece that he did for Absolute Vodka. Oh, yeah? Check it out. It's online. Check it out. It's In many ways, it kind of feels like a precursor to her. It's a short film. It's like 30 minutes long. It's like a long shot. And it's about a robot living in a world of people. Okay, yeah, yeah, I have seen this a long yeah, time ago. A few years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Was it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'm just a huge fan of that. It's <laughs> a really good piece. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think especially it translates well for guys like you and I, and I think that are aspiring to make bigger things and then seeing 
it's basically a roadmap when I see this kind of stuff it goes because I go oh okay like this guy obviously created this off of an idea that he had and then he used like what he had you know within a smaller budget um, because you know at our stage budget defines almost everything at anybody's stage really does you know um, but budget doesn't mean good film either I mean we've seen that many times uh, why that fails but Oh, yeah. For, for me, it's just inspiring, you know. I love seeing a good short film. One of my big inspirations right now is Pi, uh, Aronofsky's Pi, because that's kind of I want. I want the stage where I'd like to create something like that. Is, are you a fan of that film? I actually never saw it, to be honest. Whoa, really? Wow, that's interesting. Oh. I would definitely uh, recommend watching it. Um, I got really put off with all the VFX protests that were going on, and I just, I don't know, I just didn't watch it. What VFX oh. process? Yeah, it, it pissed off loads of people. Do you remember the Oscars last year? No, no, okay, not that. Not no, not Life of Pi. No, fuck that. Oh, <laughs> no. sorry. Okay, Pi. Pi no, uh, um, yeah, no, Darren Aronofsky's film. Aronofsky it, Pi I have a copy of it set on my watch list, and I just haven't got around to watching it yet. You son every time, of a bitch. every time I'm in the mood for a film, I'll I'll kind of pick it up, read the back cover, and all this talk about heroin addiction and stuff, and I'm just like, uh, I don't really feel like that now. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. They're very heavy. I mean, it took me like the end of the void. I mean, it's been out for a long time. It took me all that time. To, to to give myself time to, to to watch it and i'm glad i waited too because it got overhyped and all that stuff and so i experienced it now after the 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 whole thing disappeared and, and nobody talked about it but pi is definitely um check it out let me know hit me up when you after you watch it. i'm curious to see what you think yeah. uh, oh. it's, it's 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 i mean some people some people don't like it some of my friends really don't like it i, I appreciate it um on the context of i love stories that um and films that kind of tread a different um area i suppose and i think this is definitely doing it like i love Cla- uh, uh, uh eternal sunshine yeah a spotless mind a like I, a beautiful film but it's very beautifully like what a wonderful way of see see for so for guys like you and i who grew up in alien and stuff i admire when when somebody goes like yeah we'll have a sleep machine it's just like you plug something in and it's like you know it's you're just going yeah. to sleep you know it's like <laughs> yeah it's it's actually makes more sense to me because i'm like yeah you'd have a bed and you, you wouldn't go to like the sterile room that's all white <laughs> it's like well, i it's, think if everything's being written properly and there's a really good solid story going on behind it it totally. almost doesn't matter you can just let it off Oh, totally. And I just, I really love the way that he was using the, 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 the context of going back and forth through this, as his memories were fading away and using magic tricks and uh, camera tricks and stuff. I just, I found that, I found that to be just uh, incredibly inspiring um, just because so what cool. you can do with your imagination, not necessarily needing like a whole team to be- develop a prop and all that stuff. And then you have all this time and effort put into the prop and blah, blah, blah. It's just, um, I mean, of, of course, you can, like, I think you know, it's like you can skin a story anyway. Um, it's just the story that you, this is, is the most important thing, you know. Well, I think one thing about Eternal Sunshine for me is um, mo- most films that you watch have got um, a number of ingredients that just recur everywhere. The mo- Probably the biggest one being a love story. Yes. Like, most films have got a love story in them. Yeah. And most films generally... You know, the way that a film generally does a love story is they take two pretty people, put them somewhere kind of nice, and have them, like, you know, just kind of, like, kiss each other and go, there you go, that's love, they're in love. And, uh, <laughs> it's very surface know, it's level. Cool. Yeah, and then usually what happens in a lot of films, too, is that one or other of the two of them, generally, generally I find that they don't deserve to be together. Like, 
a lot of a lot of relationships in films. I don't buy the connection on television. I yeah. don't buy it. I don't buy them being in love. I don't see why they would be together. I don't see what they're getting out of the relationship. I don't see what keeps them together. Do you sure. know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's just but, very surface level. Yeah, but something like Eternal Sunshine just nails that shit completely. And oh, it's yeah. Just, oh, oh. You, know, you get it. It's like these two should be together. They're perfect for each other. And the tragedy is that they, they can, you know, no matter how many times you try and kind of fix that, it always goes wrong. Yep. Um, you know, and, and you get it when you're watching it, and it's so <laughs> heartbreaking because of it. And Eternal Sunshine for me is like, because one of the things that I'm really keen to do with um, our first feature archive is it's a love story. And I really want to get a proper love story in there. I don't want it to just be two pretty people, you know, standing in the sunshine going, I love you, I love you too. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not no, what it's dude, about. Dude, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's <laughs> all it, you're missing out. That's what every, that's all every that love is. Every relationship we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I was, dealing, I was actually in a kind of a bad, like a, a relationship that was coming to an end that I didn't want to acknowledge that it was. And I knew the pain was going to come. And so we saw that actually in the theater together. And I hated the film because of how honest and real it was. I was afraid of the film. It took me years to watch it later on where I realized out of from not dealing with the pain or every, actually having matured past that state to really loving the film and understanding you know what? it. Weirdly enough, I had exactly that scenario with, oh, yeah? Sol- Sol- with Soderbergh Solaris. <laughs> oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. About yeah, I could see Solaris doing the same thing. Five days after that, five days we split up. Oh, and man. it's like I knew I was in I knew I was in trouble because she started crying in the film. Uh. Like, oh dear! Oh dear! Oh yeah, she's like, I know what that is. here it comes. <laughs> here it comes. Yeah, I mean, the Eternal Sunshine almost got me into tears because of the inevitable. I knew that that was coming. Um, yeah, because I've had, had exactly that same thing. It's, it's a, uh, what a powerful thing yeah. that is, you know. Yeah. It's just like so weird hearing you say that though. It's like (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm sure there's so many people that are listening to this that have had that same kind of experience. That's because it's a fucking brilliant story and it's a really well put out film. I personally really connects. Yeah, exactly on the level um, beyond just the surface thing. And I and and I agree with you. And I think that's what makes sense with the love story is that love isn't just (laughs) the good parts. You know, like I'm married. It takes a lot of work every day. It takes effort. You have to, in order to show a true love story, it has to be like that, you know. I was just studying Raging Bull, and there's a lot of that in there. I mean, it's an abusive relationship because the guy was a fighter for a living, so he was <laughs> he was kind of born in the wrong era, where everybody's like, "Come on, put a suit on and tie it. Wait, go in the ring and punch some guy's head off," you know, like, "No, no, 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 come back and be a a civilized human being." It's like, dude, what a mindfuck! What a horrible life! What a weird way of being, you know? It's like yeah, born in the wrong era. But I don't know that. Have you ever watched that film? That's a really interesting one, too. I, honestly, I haven't seen it. It's weird. I've got Fuck. a few classics. How dare missed. you? Yeah, you're missing out. How, how dare I? Yeah, you how better dare. go watch these, man, and, and get back to me when you do. I think you're really going to enjoy them. I think that there's definitely some stuff from those that will resonate with you. Um, Raging Bulls is, is, you know, is just a really interesting film. And if you get to read a bit about it, too... Um, the behind the scenes of it all. It's actually really eye opening and pretty inspiring too. So I won't say anything, but I, w- I would recommend you or anybody um, listening, if they want to watch a good piece of cinema, um, it's a very, it's a very good one. You know, so. I have a, a really stupid thing that I do. It's a psychological thing and I shouldn't do it, but I can't help it. <clears throat> Some films, um, if I, it, it kind of goes back to the VHS era when you're trying to pick a film 
from a rental store and there's <laughs> covers everywhere. <laughs> some films that yeah. the covers for some reason just annoy me and I won't go near the film. Virgin <laughs> Bull was one of those. I just hated what, the What, just his face? I just, yeah, just a black and white picture of his face. I was like, that looks shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously it isn't, but I just, me having like a sort of 16 year old reaction. Sure, to sure. Um, there's another one like that, which was, there's I a lot of them like that. Cover. Um, lethal Weapon, the original Lethal Weapon. <laughs> <laughs> the handcuffs with the head in the handcuffs and black yeah. and white. Yeah. And I just hated that image. I was like, this looks bullshit. I'm not watching this. Al Gibson's got a mullet in some handcuffs. Yeah, care. yeah. There's a ton of Some films that are like that. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever watch um uh Drew Struzan's story? Did you watch that? Sorry, what's that? Um, no, uh, no. Drew Struzan, no. do you know who Drew Struzan is? Yeah. Yeah. He there's a there's a film on Netflix. I don't know how it works out there for you guys, but it's on there. It's on streaming for Netflix here in the states. But um, it's about his journey artistically. Um, it's pretty interesting. I have his book too, and the guy that wrote the guy that wrote and directed um, um, Shawshank Redemption is like a huge fan, and he just rants on and on about like why films suck, and one of the main reasons is they don't they don't have you know somebody like Drew Struzan creating iconic art and posters for their film and and to a certain degree it's actually pretty spot on you know like we have like this photoshop generation with like the same textures and stuff that's one thing my wife uh, i'll go to the movie theater and um that's my chance to see like the posters really close you know like really yeah. big and i just put my face right up on it you know because <laughs> i'm like looking for uh errors in the photoshop document yeah artifacts in the image yeah. <laughs> not even the artifacts it's like bad layers or masks that like weird clippings and stuff and uh um I just find it pretty interesting, but um, I'm running off of the topic, but there's an interesting artistry that is kind of lost in that generation as far as like how a movie is perceived and out in its public. It's something that I think it's kind of cool with what you, um, the film that you're a part of, which is Moon. I, I really enjoyed the poster or the movie cover with the, the rings and the, <coughs> the, the actor and kind of small and the composition was cool. I dug it. I think I, my friend Ollie Moss actually did one too. If you've ever seen it. Oh, you know Ollie. Yeah, I worked with him at Prologue. Okay. Yeah. Do you do you know him as well? Um, I met him a few times. Yeah. yeah I won't say I really know him, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, and I'm sort of. He's like a nerd celebrity now. He's so big. Uh, I like I knew him before he was really. I think he got his huge hit with all the Star Wars things. So it was really awesome to watch him grow and develop, and did it was inspiring for me um, to see firsthand somebody become successful from just doing what they love because that he's exactly that he's just doing what he loves and enjoys what he does and he's a big fan of all the stuff that he's a part of so yeah definitely something that's inspiring yeah. actually i gotta say when you're talking about posters just from looking at the um the ghosts in the shell stuff that you've got up online mm. those posters that you did for it are really cool the black and white ones are really oh, graphic ones yeah thank you so much uh oh, that was like, oh cool that was created um i have um, a couple friends down here in San Diego, um, Sam, Alan, and, and uh, Dustin Coop, who are really great designers, and they're uh, they're super hooked on like the Swiss grid, like the mechanic, the mathematics of grids and structures of design. They're like addicted. They like opened my eye to the grid system, basically. And it's a um, beautiful thing, though. You can really get pulled into that. I can see oh, how you yeah. can. Uh, yeah. yeah, you get lost in that. Oh yeah, we did. We made uh like three hundred posters or some shit. Yeah, it's a real rabbit hole there. It is. Oh, so yeah. that makes sense now when you say that because 
I didn't notice there's a lot of variations on there. And I was like, wow, they really got into a got into a kind of a run on this stuff. Yeah, but it was based off of the Fibonacci like spiral. Um, the grid was based off the spiral of the Fibonacci spiral. And so everything was based off of like the grid system from there. And you can get really lost in it. It was uh, Everything looks cool though, right? I mean, everything you do with that just looks good. I agree. You know, the reason why, and I think this is the same thing with the context of story building, is that there's something behind it that you don't see, but it's there and it's supporting everything else. It's the same thing as a good story. What you see in those designs, I think, is the grid, but you don't see it because the art's taking is taking the high plane. But yeah. the, the the grid is there. It's mathematically like composed, basically. Like literally, they they were using calculators to <laughs> to design the grid. So the, we all collaborated on it. It was a lot of fun, and we'd use some of the models and then. Half of those on my site, um, not half, maybe like a quarter, is just me for a day just fucking around. Like, oh, I have the model. Let me like th- render it and see different material. And then I have a, a, an idea for how it should be put in there and and then just playing with it. Play like that, I think. You it's the best way. It. I think that's the best way, you know. Um, <clears throat> and, I'm, and thank you so much for your kind words. And yeah, definitely. Posters... Um, I love posters so much, and so that was kind of like, why not make some posters, you know? Like, we have all this art, like, it'd be a lot of fun, and and I was like, I wanted to get some exposure from my friends Sam and Alan, who just started their um, studio Wedge and Lever. I was like, hey, I know this thing is probably going to get some attention, so like, why don't you guys be a part of this so like people can see what you're able to do outside of whatever it is that you've been doing, you know? So it was a good chance to collaborate. It was a lot of fun. It was crazy. Yeah, it was a lot of crazy fucking stuff. But <laughs> as you know, that's how it is for everything, you know. I'm sure that you guys, when you're on set, building out, like, Moon or any of the other films that you've been a part of and all your short stuff, it's, like, it's just getting there and doing it and putting the work in. and, and Yeah. One of the things that I love is when you, you, you turn up and it's, like, you're going to be doing a load of stuff and the people that you turn up with a bunch of people to get started and the people that you're working with can't kind of see where it's going to end up. Yeah. So you have to kind of, you have to kind of sort of convince them to come with you. So <laughs> it did a thing when we were doing, when I did the short film, you know, the, the sort of end of the film set in a city. And what I really wanted was just like knackered buildings and knackered cars everywhere. Yeah. And um, what I could actually get was two, um, two abandoned tower blocks next to each other that were identical to each other, which, even though they were abandoned, when you photograph them, they actually look fine. You know, they weren't like falling down, yeah. half destroyed. They just had a couple of broken windows and were a bit dirty. So, you know, when you photograph them, they look fine. Um, so there's a lot needed in post to knacker them up. But the, the, I was keen to get as much as I could practical in camera. So <laughs> um, I managed to get hold of 10 cars. <laughs> oh, excuse me. And the original plan was to get hold of 10 cars from the scrapyard, burn them out, get a forklift, and just move them around and have them near the camera and then photograph them and spot them in in the distance and post and you know expand them out do like projection mapping and stuff on 3d models to flesh them all out sure and uh for the parallax problems problems all the way like you know we weren't allowed to burn the cars so um (laughs) that was out the window and the forklift was going to cost two and a half thousand quid um so that was out the window (laughs) and uh you know it's like oh shit what we're going to do so we ended up just making the cars look as knackered as we could so i got some burnt car reference basically ripped all the plastic off like you would find in a car fire, pulled all the bumpers, light units, all that stuff, wing mirrors, like just out, like off the car, smashed up most of the windows, um, and then just painted them a base flat grey and just went at them with sponges and rollers with like 
sort of blacks and rust colours and stuff. Yeah. And they looked amazing. And the, the other bonus feature was that they all worked. Well, there's 10 of them. Eight of them drove. Oh, perfect. So you could just drive it around. So it was really easy. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we were just driving these cars. And, but when we, um, <clears throat> excuse me, when we set up to start on that, we had one day to knock these cars up. Oh, so I arrived at the, at the location with uh, with like um, uh, a handful of um, uh, art department um, bods, and we just got to work on it. And the first thing that happened was a big transporter turned up <clears throat> with the first lot of five cars and just rolled them off and then just drove off. And these cars, they'd all failed the. We have a thing called the MOT in the UK, which is like a, a legal specification that a car needs to to drive on the roads to get insurance. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and if it fails for whatever reason, you can't get insurance and you have to scrap the car or fix it. And there's a lot of cars that, you know, it's cheaper to just scrap it and get a new car than it is to fix it. But the car, so the car's unroadworthy, but it looks fine. Like, you could just park it on a street and it looked completely fine. But actually, it's like about to be scrapped. So these cars all looked completely fine. And when they all rolled off, everybody was like, how the hell are we going to make these cars look knackered? So I had to get everybody around and get one car and just go to town on one car. <laughs> just go look, just, just copy what I'm doing. I get all this stuff off, all this stuff, rip this off, do this, do this. And so I had like nine cars parked in front of me and one car myself. And like everybody was on a car. And I'd like do something to a car and get everyone to like copy up the car. <laughs> and at the end of the day, these cars looked amazing. They just looked really, really knackered. Sure. And uh, they, look, they look perfect on film for what they needed to be. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I just love that thing where, you know, when you when you kind of turn up on the set, you have to kind of get everybody with you because you know what I mean. It's a lot of energy. Yeah, everybody's like keen to help out, but they can't see it. Do you no, know what of course I mean? not. Come on, it's cool. We'll do this. We'll do this. Yeah, it's really fun. And sometimes you don't even see it. I mean, I think maybe you do, but you don't realize how great it's going to be until like you I actually think, see it. And then, but it's I the effort, to, though. It's the intention of effort, I guess. I think I have to see it, or I can't. I can't reasonably turn up. And sure, I think within reason, right? I mean, if you get these cars yeah. and then you're like. Oh shit! I have to do this, but I can't burn them. Okay, what do I do? Okay, rollers, pull off this stuff. Look at reference. Okay, this is how it's supposed to look. Okay, go. You know, and I have a date to yeah. do it. <laughs> I think it's more about having that, um, <clears throat> you know, that kind of reaction to stuff where you go into it with a plan, and then the plan suddenly can't happen. Yeah, and you're just like, "Fuck you! You're not going to beat me. <laughs> it's like, you're not. I'm not falling here. This isn't the thing that brings it down. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Like, I, I couldn't agree more. I think the intention too is like, you got to have your intention. Uh, right there at the spot, and you gotta you gotta have conviction in order to make that possible and make it a reality. And that's really where um, I think it works out. Really, you know, I think that's how you make really great work personally. But it's challenging, though. <laughs> if you were if you were if you were less dedicated to this, if this wasn't your baby, you'd be like, ah, eh, fuck it. You know, maybe do like five cars. You know, all right, I'm I'm gonna. <laughs> well, you know, that's a trick, right? It's like I mean, when we were doing Moon, there was probably. Yeah, you, you, you know. I you can tell that you guys loved it. I can tell. Well, there was like you know, there was like three or four of us that were there all the time, and everybody else was like going home at, at six o'clock. We did it. We did a few late nights. I mean, the crew were brilliant, but you know, ultimately, you know, it's fair enough for everyone to want to go home and you know have some food and go to bed and hang out with their wives and girlfriends. You sure, know, that's fair enough. Yeah, but um, yeah, I always found at the beginning of at the middle of any project, there's like a a core engine of like sort of two or three or four people. Totally. I mean, yeah. I like the engine of the project. Well, like-minded people that are, I'm, okay. So the, yeah, I mean with the film director, obviously, and then he's got his eyes as a cinematographer. So they have to be 
really close and connected. And when, and, you know, I was just listening to like commentary with Ollie Fisker, uh, on like a podcast, um, uh, ASC podcast. Um, it was pretty cool hearing his whole take on working with Christopher because he's been working with Christopher for so long for so many films and that semiotic relationship where they're really close and they kind of, you know, he'll read a script and then he'll, he'll come to Chris with his suggestions, but they both kind of see eye to eye and most all the things, you know, you have your cinematographer, then you have your production designer. So if you have, if you need that, then you have your costume then you have your casting and you have your actors and stuff. And, but all these people are supposed to be there to help you out with getting the thing done and having the core group really be behind what you're doing. And, you know, I think that there's a way to, to, to eliminate ultimate failure. <laughs> you can't eliminate the, what people are going to say and think of what you create. That's just, well, you've got to be, I mean, even no matter what you do, what you put out there, <clears throat> there's always going to be someone that's just not their thing. Oh yeah, of course, you know. They'll be quite vocal about it. And just tell you blunt. Well, exactly yeah. the point. Like uh, Eternal Sunshine, I just wasn't maturely ready for it. It was it was so good that it shook me up internally, and so I had a hard time with the film. I knew I loved it, but I just couldn't I couldn't deal with it at the time. But that doesn't make it a bad film. It's just I wasn't ready for it, you know. And and so I'm sure a lot of people embraced it in different ways. I'm sure it resonated with a lot of people in general because of how deep it goes into the human psyche of love. And, and if you had that power, would you do it and why and all that stuff? And it opens up pain and, and the idea of what these things could possibly be. I find that to be really interesting, you know? Um, and I think that that way of observing things psychologically, there's also, I do a lot of psychological understanding of film and stuff and narrative. And there's actually the way that we consume film is our brain app operates the same way as it does almost nearly similar as when we're sleeping. So it puts you in, that's why the, you know, films are, are created and, and, put, and shown in the dark in a comfortable space. <clears throat> usually at least instead, unless you're with a, uh, an audience full of douchebags, but if you can avoid that, you can really get deep into the mental state. And if you're watching something that's hypnotic and just really like I haven't watched um, 2001 on the big screen. I'd love to watch that in IMAX or something. Like oh, I would, I, yeah, I couldn't imagine. I next time I get it to, I'm gonna try my best to to, to watch it. But um, I forget what I'm going there with this. But I guess it's more about like how you perceive film and and and, and how it make it a good film. But like nobody knows, but people should know. But it's like <laughs> well, I think the trick with it is it's dead easy to talk about it. <clears throat> sure, lot, you know, you can you can like we're talking about it now. And sure, it's like, you know, sounds easy. So, yeah, you could listen to this and go, yeah, all right, well, you can go and do it then. But it's yeah. like, well, we actually are trying to do it, and it just trying takes to. a while. Yeah, but, um, yeah, you got to just stick with us and, and see what we can get to you in the future. But um, yeah, you you know, one of the things that always struck me is like you can go to a bookshop and you can stand in front of a shelf with a label on the top, like how to make a film. And there'll just be endless books. And you can look at these books and you can look at the people who wrote the books and you won't recognize any of the names. And they're all telling you how to make a film. Yeah. And it's like, you know, yeah, look that's... at that. You only really did use one thing from that. Which <laughs> is either, it's so easy, everybody knows how to do it. Or all these people are basically talking bullets. And it's yeah. so, so subjective that, you know. That's one thing I, <laughs> that's a funny thing to bring up because there's a um, story, Robert McKee and, and a lot of these actors that, are not actors, a lot of these authors that people are like, this guy is great, or Joseph Campbell, and this and that, but I go, well, what story, what what ma amazing film have they written? You know, it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I can't think of it, you know. And, but have, you, it, uh, have you read any really good books on directing? Would you recommend any any books? 
I have read a lot of interesting books on a lot of interesting things about film. Um, I just got a, a recently I got a lot of them, but I like to just um, read the biography kind of bits about the actual directors. So the reason why I just consumed was uh, what's this? I'm looking at it right now. It's just Stanley Kubrick's like their analysis. Of Stanley Kubrick's. There's um, Paul Varhoven's stuff, which is really interesting. Um, stuff. He's got Paul Paul uh, Paul Verhoeven's one of those directors where. You walk into a room, and maybe maybe take showgirls out of this, but you walk into a room and one of his films is on, you'll just have to sit down and watch it. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. I could, that's it's like his original Total Recall. It's just, yeah, if it's on, you're like, well, all right, I guess I'm watching this now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and again. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I don't know, but um, as far as books, I mean, <clears throat> I'm looking at all my books here, and so, sometimes I have a hard time going through all all the way through the whole book because my brain scatters and goes everywhere. There's cinema now, which is, I found is really interesting about just films and, and movie making. Um, I'm studying one right now um, called, where is it? I took a picture and sent it to a friend about it because I thought it was really cool. The Cinematic Eye or something like that. Um, <clears throat> I'm studying cinematography pretty heavily right now, like film lighting, um, shot by shot, which is kind of interesting. It's more for layman stuff, our new cinematographers, which I thought was really cool. Um, there's so many books. Usually when I, I, I spend about 150 to $180 a month on books. And what I do now is, because um, there's been a lot of interest, is I'll either talk about it on the podcast or I'll take a big picture and just post it on my Instagram so people can see what I'm interested in or reading and then they can get a better understanding as to what I'm getting into basically but Eisenstein is another one is is really great film form which is I'm just getting to that that's pretty amazing he inspired uh, Otomo a lot with his comics actually Um, if you really study the language of between the what he what he instructs and stuff but the funny thing and I must say about all this stuff and one thing about these books that I get is if the author says that this is the right way I instantly go "Eh, this is bullshit and I go because with this you don't know you actually you don't know if you're gonna pigeonhole or you're gonna push it all into one section. It's like if you're trying to itemize and categorize, like yeah. But that's that's for me with this kind of genre of uh, this this medium. It's it's not it's never about closing it. It's about just opening it up and trying things and and and, and exposing yourself for different experiences. And so the recent one that I'm reading, I really love it. It's the Cinematic Eye or something like that. It's driving me nuts because I can't. It's not in my office right now. It's at my. It's in my in my bedroom because I'm reading it. But it's really awesome so far. It's got a lot of really cool little bits and pieces. But do you do you collect books and do you read books a bit? Yeah, I mean, right behind me, I've got a couple of big old bookshelves with all kinds of stuff on there. <laughs> Same. I mean, I've, I got into sci-fi probably originally through uh, through books with my granddad. My dad and my granddad were both big um, big sci-fi readers, and so I always loved comics. Mm. So they'd get me into it. Basically, you know, I'd, I'd be around comic, yeah. and I'd be reading 2000 AD, yeah, and they'd be like, "Oh, you like that? Um, you know, you might like this." And you know, I'd get a copy of Frank Herbert's Dune or a copy of Asimov's Foundation or whatever. I was reading Foundation when I was about seven or something. Oh, wow. I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't get it all. Yeah. But, um, you know, There's I no way was, you can, really. Yeah. yeah, but I was trying. So I was like, <laughs> it was, I remember, oh, shit, I wish I had that copy of it. He had, my granddad Eric had this beautiful, big, white, hardback version of Foundation. It was just pure white, and it said Foundation on the front in silver. Hmm. Um, it was a beautiful book. But, um, yeah, I remember reading that in bed. And just, I remember being blown away by the concept of psychohistory, even as a little kid, it made complete sense that you could just take a mass of data and see a pattern. 
And if you've been collecting data for, for like, you know, like thousands and thousands of years, you could predict all kinds of crazy things. Sure. Well, just, the, we're just repeating ourselves a lot. We're creatures of habit. It's kind of odd. I wish but, contemporary economists would do a bit more of this. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I've got, and also just loving art, I've got all kinds of um, art books spanning like all, I mean, I've got a complete set of Sydney stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, I have some of his. Yeah. It's, it's, they're just wonderful. Yeah, they're just, they're just so inspiring. But, um, he's a guy, he's, it's because his mind, though. I've watched some interviews, and he's just a very intellectual, smart, open mind. Seems like he, he, I think the thing about him as well, though, is that because he still works in gouache, um, you, can, you know the whole thing about like spending the time on the work? Yeah. He spends time on it because he's hand painting it all. He, when he when he lays a color down on the board, it's a very conscious decision because yep. it's paint. Yeah. You can't just do that shit or just change a hue or whatever. It's I like, can agree more. Yeah, that's what makes his work really special. Yeah. Yeah, he thinks about it, knows what he wants, and then gets it down. I'm making um, a book right now, and I've just I've just realized that I'm going to make all the art all with um, scratch, like from on paper, basically bristle board and ink. I decided to, because I want the intention to be so honest that's how i want to get better at it is because i can't yeah. that's the best way to do it though i think personally but it really is i mean when i was learning to draw um mainly for like comics when i was at uni i used to i didn't it's a bit stupid really i didn't used to use pencils at all i just used to go straight at it with a black pen on white paper it's like yeah. i'll either get good at drawing or i'll always be rubbish you know it's like yeah but um yeah i mean actually there's a book thing i want to mention one book i want to mention um, it's not an art book. Most of my books are art books, but Dan O'Bannon brought out a book called The Guide to Screenplay Structure, and it actually came out after his death. Um, it was like 95% through with it, and then he died, and it was picked up. His, his widow um, got, like, the intern guy was helping him out, and they finished off the book and got it out. And I don't know if you've read it, but anyone who's interested in... Interested in um, writing film i would really recommend it it's really it's one of those really nice books it's not massive you know it's it's like sort of quite slim but every everything he says is just straight up there's no like there's no fat on any of it it's dan o'bannon's book yeah and uh it's called a guide to screenplay structure and he just took i mean there's a great a great about a third of the book is him just analyzing um writing and he goes all the way back to like um you know, ancient philosophy and stuff. And he talks about, you know, the Greek plays and all of this stuff and brings it right up to contemporary film. And he does it all really quickly and just kind of passes over it all by just talking about the stuff that matters. Sure. And it's so interesting because you just, you come away from it with such a thorough understanding of all of this stuff without having read like, you know, an entire shelf of books. <laughs> well, uh, he's, yeah, he's giving you like the cliff notes of version of it. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, and if you're really curious and interested, you can go into those films or those books and really yeah. consume them at a different rate. Um, it's just depending on how much you want to go into it. I think as I study these things, I realize, like you said, there's repetition, there's pattern. Um, we've been telling the same stories actually for fucking ever. And it's actually <laughs> kind of silly. <laughs> that's why I like that. That's why I'm interested in, in, in otter, Film, uh, films that are more in, in the sense of maybe a visual kind of <clears throat> experience or but no absolutely um the dan o'bannon thing i had something oh there's this there's this movie there's this not movie there's this book that i find interesting that i always it always hits me when i hear of a, a creative that i admire and how they use the world around them to create what they make because we're just mirrors of one another and so there's a book called steal like an artist it's a small little book, but I just, I went through it like in a couple hours. It was fun. 
but it's just basically like i think it talks about like david bowie and like how david bowie said like a line where it's just basically like you know i just you know like openly just saying like an artist that i steal from is an artist that i love or something like that basically it's like i you know to to think that you're the only one or something like that that's the weirdest thing and and the more you not necessarily steal but the more you pull inspiration from things from different ways and different and combining that's how you make really exceptional fun stuff i think because you're like you're like you know I, I relate to food again it's like you take an ingredient from like japan that's never been over here in like scandinavia or something like that you combine them and you make this dish that's like nobody's ever tasted before it's like just it's new but it's also unique and then the conception of the idea is is special because it's like you're combining all these different things rather than just making a happy meal or something you know so i just find that to be interesting and i think that's that's a way of actually creating art in a certain context i suppose you know at least that's how i feel i like the idea of pushing things you know and i think dan o'bannon and a lot of these guys that we appreciate are looking at the same thing you could look at the wachowskis when they're creating the matrix it was an ad- adaptation of world on the wire and uh and ghost in the shell and a couple other inspirations and then they just put on you know the whole action thing you know <clears throat> matrix was weird though because that was just um i don't know it was kind of an anomaly when you look at the rest of the work because oh yeah it's not come close to it and it really pisses me off because <laughs> the matrix was just so good but every time they've got something coming out, I'm just like, oh, please be like the Matrix. You know, <laughs> what, you didn't like Cloud like, Atlas? Come on. Actually, do you know what? That's another one I haven't seen Cloud Atlas. You haven't seen it? No. I'm, yeah. like I'm not going to say anything. I mean, I have a lot of friends that worked on it, and um, I know they're proud of their work, so I don't want to be a dick. So. <laughs> it's really annoying that. I get, I get where you're coming from, though, but yeah. I mean, yeah, it's. I would hate to accidentally like sort of piss somebody off who's worked on something that I'm like, harshing up. Because, like, you know, I've worked on all kinds of things myself that have just never gone anywhere, mainly in the game space. The amount of stuff I've worked on that's just ended up just being rubbish. And it's just such a shame when people put so much effort into things. I've got, um, like, this theory about, um, uh, you know, like when you're making a film, if you get a graph, and uh, imagine you've just got, like, a normal graph with two-axis graph, and up on the vertical you've got the quality, starting from zero and going up to 100% of how good the thing is. Um, and then along the bottom, you've got time um, in the order in which work is completed on a film. So you start off right at the beginning of the graph and you've got, OK, someone has an idea for the film. And then um, a treatment is written that then follows through into a script. And as you move along through time, you have the quality bar and you have like a line which kind of moves up on the quality. Take Prometheus as an example of this. And then... What happens then is that all the other kind of, you know, production kicks in, all the departments uh, swing into action, all this work gets done, uh, individual people, teams of people are all briefed, all the work gets done, it all comes in, you know, you, you design everything, you build your sets, your costumes, you get everyone together, you shoot, you know, you cut the film, you score it, all that <coughs> stuff. All these jobs get done in a certain order. And each one of these, if you're looking at it on the graph, each one of these uh, jobs can have its own level of quality. Um, that can go from you know zero to a hundred of being you know from absolutely awful to being brilliant. Take Prometheus with the the costuming, those spacesuits, absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know they cost like what quarter of a million pounds each. Whoa! You know, they, had, they made there's like eleven suits made times five. Whoa! So everybody had three suits themselves, <laughs> and then everybody had a stunt double, and each stunt double had two suits. 
Jeez. So, you know, you look at all, you look at that, and the engineering on these things is just beautiful. Um, a friend of mine had these suits in his uh, workshop for a little while. They were stored in his workshop. You could feed so many people with that. That's what aggravates me. I'm like, fuck. There's so many starving people that could use some fucking food. And, you know, oh. okay. Anyway, sorry. River Scott's fault. So if you look at the, um, I'm not really blaming with this. Yeah, don't do that. No, it's <laughs> you're not responsible for world hunger. I get that. If you look at the graph, the quality graph on Prometheus, when you get to the costumes, um, you know that's going to be really high up there. It might be like ninety percent of ultimate, hundred percent amazing brilliance. You know, it's really high. Um, you know, I like the alien ones things. more. The, the hockey gloves it. more. But go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, ultimately, well, ultimately, when you get to the end of the graph. And you'll each department will have its own quality bar, which will go up to a certain degree. And then what you'll find is when the film is released, the 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 ex the the way the film is perceived. If you go back to the bit right at the beginning where you had the script, you look at how high the script got, and then draw a flat line across the rest of the project. Everybody else's work is only ever really perceived at the level of what the script was. Mm. Yeah. And there's so many films out there that have got that are just the films are just they're just not great films. Yeah. You look at them, you can harsh them up, you can say it's a shit film. But there's work that's gone into them which can be beautiful. Oh yeah. It can be beautiful design, beautiful costumes, beautiful locations, beautiful camera work, all kinds of things. You know, a beautiful stunt driving, like all kinds of things that are just gorgeous. Um and it, it the work is just never accredited properly because this script level put like a glass ceiling on the whole project. Yep. Yeah, and so the work, in hindsight, is just perceived as being a bit shit. Well, you're only stronger. You're only as strong as your weakest link. So yeah. Yeah, so, but the script kind of caps the perception of the quality of the work in a lot, of t- a lot of the time. Totally. Yeah, definitely. And it's a real shame because there's so many people out there that work in film that work on films that you know we might talk about them and say they're a bit shit, but their contribution might be just beautiful. And it's yeah. such a shame that. You kind of can't talk about the film without accidentally. <laughs> well, I think I think it's about articulating exactly what you didn't have. So it's I mean, there's a saying like you you have your right to your opinion, but you have even more right to your educated opinion, um, which I agree with wholeheartedly because once you can have an educated opinion, you can be very poignant about exactly what's bothering you about that thing. It's like when when. George just tried to describe what Metaclorians were. It's like, no, 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 don't do that. You know, like yeah. this is a fantasy world. Don't do That's that to Qui-Gon. me. Qui-Gon. Yeah, yeah. It's a- <laughs> Shut up, kids. Yeah, it's no. Over. <laughs> yeah, don't pretty much like. With that. But that's you know. That's his project, and he could do whatever the hell he wants. He could throw it into the ground and destroy it. You know, that's <clears throat> that's up to him. You know, I I think there's a weird thing that happens with a lot of things. Is is when I find out what people are making i go like was that person really a part of making that amazing thing in the first place and then i realized like oh well that person didn't even actually do that thing and then um and then i realized oh that that's that's the key thing that person didn't actually do that thing yeah and it's heartbreaking once you think that it was and it wasn't so you go into anticipation but yeah the the kind of cult of director at the moment that there is it's just it's just so much bullshit there's massive team behind everybody that's done you know anything that you see on film with a team of people there yeah it's a big infrastructure it definitely is you know and they have to pay professionals like myself in order to push pixels around and all that kind of stuff so and it's you know it's they got they got to have their you know summer smash hot you know films and this and that to pay off the certain amount of debt and 
it's a business. It's definitely a business. But it's the problem business. is, the problem is, it's it's like the Disney issue right now. It's like it's a it's a business filled with executives and not artists. Whereas before, when Disney was really in its prime, it was, it was they, you had a really smart guy at the helm of it, a very smart visionary with good, great taste. Dis, Walt Disney, who had a phenomenal uh, level of taste, but he also understood the power of art. You have the same thing going on, John Lasseter and 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 the, the guys that are doing things at Pixar. The cool thing that I've heard um, from good sources is that Pixar, um, I, I really admire that company. And the cool thing is, even though Biz- Disney did buy them or their part ownership or whatever, is Disney actually doesn't, they're not allowed to like actually um, fuss with the story and all that kind of stuff. The pivotal things are what makes Pixar such a great company, which I find to be really awesome. <clears throat> because... Yeah. Um, if there's one thing that's wrong with certain things in the industry is there's too many people that are worried about the risk. And, and there was that one really amazing talk that I, I love and I bring up quite a bit with Kevin Spacey where he addresses the idea of film and, and, he, and he says one of his biggest things that he's learned is, is all about the total total abandon, the concept of total abandonment, which is abandoning what you once thought and, and allowing yourself to create. And I thought that was really uh, inspiring and, and unique and special. But in order to go there, you have to be very vulnerable <laughs> to the fact and the idea that this might suck, you know? And it's, Are you watching, you watching House of Cards? I actually watched the first couple of episodes. I really liked it, but I was really busy at the time, and I didn't have enough time to really give to <laughs> the whole piece. So it's just something that I need to get into. I just haven't had the time to. I've been studying all these classic films that I've been meaning to catch up on. So Have you, though? I've heard it's really great. Uh- it's really great. I just I have a <clears throat> a thought on what I what you know this whole thing about when you're kind of thinking like oh yeah what would you do with this what would you do with that sure like you were saying like you get that from like watching an awful film and you <laughs> try and fix it in your head until it drives yeah. you crazy yes yes what I do is um, I'll watch something and if I'm into it I'll be like where is this going what you know you've got such a good starting point it's like sure. running a race and straight away you're in the front and it's like wow this is great this is going really well. It's like, what are you going to do with this to really win? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I have a, <clears throat> I have a thing that I, I do it with all kinds of things, but I did it with, um, I was thinking about, um, uh, yeah, House of Cards. And I was like, I know it was based off an original UK drama, but I never saw that. So, it was so much stuff comes from the UK too. You guys are like culture creators. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Utopia after this because I'm curious. Oh, Utopia. Yeah, okay, that's cool. I'm, I'm, hooked on, I'm hooked on a lot of UK shows because they're fucking awesome. <laughs> like Black Mirror and Utopia. It's like, dude, I couldn't talk Is about... Orphan Black. What's that? Orphan Black. I have it and I've heard lots of really bad things about it from a lot of people. So I'm like, oh, I'm curious as to if it's good or not. So I'm letting that go past in my head. So I might watch it later on. Watch it later. I had the same thing. Anyway, sorry, I'll go back in a minute. Yeah, sorry, um, I didn't mean to cut in. Yeah, Game of Game of Cards. Uh, sorry, Game of Game, cards. Of, Game of Thrones. I cards. Game of Thrones and House of Cards. <laughs> and Tits and Cards. Thing. Yeah, and Dragons. Um, yeah, and I, I keep confusing, like you know, a bit like Game of Cards or House of Thrones or whatever. I'm not just, like confusing. <laughs> the, um, <clears throat> the um, yeah, the whole thing's about Kevin Spacey is the you know the congressman who wants to be president. Yes, uh, yes. it starts off as a whip actually, it's like the, the, the house whip, and um, <clears throat> so the whole thing's basically the path to him become president. And along the way, he's got Robin Wright as his um, his kind of career wife, who's given up all of her stuff to support him. And the whole thing's about how they how they get in and do it, and it's it's brilliant how they how they kind of 
you know, it's, it's a great show. There's lots of intrigue, and it's all about basically people like screwing each other over to get what they want. Yeah, it's kind of like The Wire, maybe kind of similar. Yeah, yeah, kind of. But <laughs> the, the thing with House of Cards is that it's all about Kevin Spacey becoming prime minister, and his wife's got all these plots, got all these things going on. But it's always like um, she has to give up all of her stuff so that he can get to where he gets to. And along the way, she's kind of doing all these things where she's kind of. Um, sort of, you know, fucking with people and playing people off and stuff to this agenda that she's got going on. And what I do with House of Cards is it's very clearly Kevin Spacey's story and it's all about him becoming president. But what would be really cool, I'm watching it, I watched it, watched through it and I was like, what they should do with this show is it should really be about her becoming prime, uh, president, not him. Mm. And so they should keep it going and play it straight and then right at the end, they should do something where some situation occurs and she becomes um, president. That'd be great. And all of a sudden, pull the carpet all out. Of a, yeah, and all of a sudden, everything she's done throughout the entire show suddenly becomes in service of this one thing. Perfect. And it's perfect. like, holy shit. The, the, the sort of secondary character was, well, one of the kind of five or six secondary characters had a thing going the whole time and it was really her show. Yeah, and it seemed unintentional. Oh, mate, so good. That'd be really yeah. good. That's smart. Yeah, I want to watch that, but I was getting that from the first two episodes. Um, just And I, I really like the dialogue. I don't think that's what they're going to do with it, but you know, it's just like like you were saying about how you'd fix things and stuff. That I, I always like coming up with these theories about how you could, like, you know, thoughts on how, like if someone walks into, you know, walks into your office and sort of gave you like the quick pitch, how you could like make it better. Do you sure, know what I mean? sure, yeah. I guess that's uh, it's easy. It's easy for guys like us at the finishing finishing mark going like, "Hey, you know, you could have ran that faster if you took those breaths over there, like five feet back or something." You know, but I, but I, I think that's <laughs> really race if you want to be shit at it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, definitely. It's like it's like uh, I, there's a lot of that that happens with like um, I'm I'm a fan of watching UFC. I, I do jujitsu and stuff, and so there's one thing like when I train jujitsu, it's so easy for somebody to while I'm doing it, while I'm getting choked out or something, somebody not getting choked out with a clear mind going like, you know, sweep his feet or switch his weight or something. But so it's basically perspective. So I think what you're talking about too, and I, and I think we're talking about psychologically what can make a really good a director or a, a storyteller is, is great perspective. Being able to go right into the detail, go, no, he's saying that because of this. And then you go all the way back out and go, well, he's saying that because of this, because in three episodes from here, he's going to relate to that. You know, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be point. It's going to, it's going to connect to that. That's one thing I really lo- loved about uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, it's funny. My, <laughs> my friend, uh, Anthony, he, he, he brought up how silly the ending was. And it, for some reason, because I was such a fan and I didn't want it to be like, I didn't want to like acknowledge that maybe the ending was just super silly, <laughs> but, uh, it was, uh, I just thought there were some interesting things, but that, that the Breaking Bad as a show uh, from the start to finish, it was just, it's so great. It's such a great experience. Um, a way to set the bar really is I think Brilliant. for, I think for all other story oh. creators and, and film and, and TV show creators, they must've been like, well, fucking hell. What the shit? You know, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> I was yeah, watching that. I was watching. Yeah. Or you, actually, I think it, what I loved about it was like, yes, this is a fucking success and people are going to get pumped up and, and people are going to go, yeah, people are going to use that as a benchmark. Go like, well, not instead of being like, you know, it's got to be like a dad who's a drug guy. It's like not surface level. It's about really deep storytelling about an evolving chick character that's un, unheard of, you know. That's I'd, really, um, that's really did, what it um, was. When Breaking Bad was finishing too, I was so excited watching the last episode. I'd already made up my own ending to Breaking Bad. We all did. What was yours? Uh, mine was <clears throat> right at the end. 
it was it was more of a moment than a story. But right at the end, I'd have Jesse and Walt <clears throat> in a situation where they're by themselves. There's like no one around to interfere. Jesse and Walt pointing guns at each other. Um, hold on it for as long as you can. There's no one speaking, just looking at each other. Yeah. Then cut to black. Then one gunshot. Credits. Ah, perfect. There you go. That'd be awesome. That's how they. I mean, I would love that. That'd be awesome. So many people would be upset by that, but I love. Oh, I, I love, would love that shit. Yeah, I, that's that's definitely. Um, <clears throat> I love just. I mean, maybe because you know, I you know what probably is that's a, that's a that's a story creator writer's like wet dream kind of thing. You know, that's well, not like, like a normal. Things. That's not a normal audience thing. I think. I think a normal I like audience. Things where they live on a bit though. I like things where you watch something and then it's finished. And then there's still it's still alive in your head. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's how I know if it's a good film. Um, that's it, right? Yeah, if it's it lasts like stays like, with you. And how long so it lasts in me, like in my head, yeah. is is really um, if it lasts like a day, okay. If it lasts a week, okay. But even like look at you and your energy towards Prometheus. You know, like it lasted with you for a while. You know, and it's like I think first your disappointment, and then uh, and then you're like what, and then you and then you're trying to fix it, <laughs> and then you're like I hate it, and then like I, I, I'm, I've I've written a treatment for what Prometheus should have been. No I did. I read it. it. I read uh, no. I, I read the no, the, no. the pod. Uh, well, the, actually, there's a little bit on the blog, but I actually wrote a treatment, like a proper treatment for it. Oh yeah. But I can't really show it to anybody because yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> I shouldn't send that stuff out because I look like a dick. But, sure, um, of course, and that's the thing. An, yeah. It's kind of an expansion of what I put in that in that in that blog post. But yeah. Um, yeah, and that's your take on it too. And everybody like can have their own take on it, and that's just your opinion too. And I think that's what's interesting too. And I, and I want to make sure I'm being incredibly clear with anybody. I don't want people to be insulted. I I worked on the film, you know, like I put my time into this thing. Uh, it, it's it's I don't think we're necessarily saying that these people are bad people or anything like that. It's it's just there was some graphic design in Prometheus that was just directly nicked off my blog. Yeah, yeah, there you know, was... in the in the ship. There's I did another blog post on it. There's some graphics on the walls that are just literally just taken. Yeah, and I got to say that pissed me off. <laughs> I don't know who did it. Someone did it. I was it on where... the, was it the props that were on the ship? No, no, it was it was graphics on the wall. It was vinyl stickers on the wall. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Vinyl stickers like actual on the prop, so yeah, graphic oh, on the they were on the on the walls of the ship. But um, I did a thing where oh, I could tell you a story, but it's probably I should probably be a bit more delicate than this kind of stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, um, don't let people get, hate you. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's more about me being screwed over. But um, sometimes you can just sound like a little bitch if you just. Oh yeah, well I you know that's a real that's actually an interesting thing to bring up because I've been screwed over. Big time, a couple times actually, and and um, it's interesting to hear other people's stories because it's actually probably related. And there's probably a lot of listeners that are dealing with it right now or have, yeah. and so there's a relationship. It's a funny to thing it. though, because like you're supposed to just be quiet and like that's fucking bullshit. It's bullshit, and it, honestly, if anyone's listening out there that you know that has been screwed over stuff like you know work getting nicked, whatever. Honestly, we're out here and we all share your pain. Seriously, it it sucks. Yeah, um, and. We're all supposed to just be nice about it and just go, oh, you know, we can't really talk about it or name names. You know exactly who it is. You can point a finger at them, but you can't do that. You've got to be all like, yeah, I'll just, I just have to be okay with that happening. Uh, smile. What are we doing tomorrow? Well, if there's you a know, contract so. and it's broken, that's a problem. There's a lot of things where there's a gray zone and there's, you know, like, yeah, yeah but, but <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm dealing, as soon as this lawsuit thing that I'm dealing with uh, is, it's finally out in the clear and finished. I'm going to talk about it, because, but I don't want to do it now, just in case something happens and they're like, yeah. "You're using this and blah blah." blah so I don't want to 
but it's it involved a really major big company and a lot of money and and it's really unfortunate um but it's all about protecting yourself at least for the business side of things you know oh well, fair play though you like taking steps with it yeah 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 it's yeah it's uh yeah it's a challenging one but i think that i think that you do the community uh wrong by um not speaking out about it that's that was one of the big things i brought i bring it up quite a bit but the that life of pi um film and the whole visual effects thing and how that happened it was like infuriated me so much i'm like that's it we really need to have like that's why i've had like freelance specials where i talk about like how to how I've done freelancing and I have like some friends that come on, like my friend, Jake Sargent, uh, he comes on, he worked on Tron and stuff. And we talk about like how he's managed cause he's, he's really laced up well with his business side of things and stuff too. So it's basically giving people an empowerment of information because that's how you fix this stuff, right? You, you give people the tools and then you let them do whatever they're going to do with it. So if they can set themselves up in a way that they can protect themselves and they should do it. But yeah, it's just, it's a really weird, the industry of making these things is really interesting. Um, and I, 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 I think you probably see it too. You probably appreciate it from a bif- different perspective too. Now doing your own thing, you get to see all the spectrums, you know, almost all of them, at least I don't know how far have you gone, but if you're sitting there and you're directing and you're holding the camera and you're getting, you're on like the ads and getting the cars and you're painting the cars and you're, you know, <laughs> you're working with the actor, you're understanding like all the spectrum so you can understand how and why things go bad, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the job really trying to make sure that doesn't happen by understanding it. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that is the job. Yeah. That is the job. I mean, in, in, in a nutshell. I think one of the things that, that seems really unfair about when people get screwed over is that you, you kind of, it always hurts because you put loads of energy into your work and one of the things that happens is like, I think what you really need to do is to be able to reconcile that without being really bitter. Do you know what I mean? You've got to yeah. be able to just kind of box it up and get on with things. Oh, you have to. Um, yeah. You must ke- You must push on. Because if it just twists you and you just get really bitter and, and moan all the time, you do, you, you can't help but sound like a little bitch. And yeah. Something yeah. Yourself. And yeah, um, it, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, right? Oh, absolutely. I think that's um, a perfect thing. Uh, it's just a personality trait, though. It's like you can either play a victim or you can play a winner. And even if you are a victim, you go, fuck it, whatever. I'll just keep moving along, you know. Um, so many people in history and time and, and uh, have shown that if you put, if you just focus on, like, I could have been, you know, or I could have, would have, instead of being like, I'm doing right now, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's that's, that, that's the mentality I have. You know, if, like, they, they don't kill you or kill your family or take your health from you, then... They, they don't really have anything on you. I mean, they could take your money. And that's what I learned. I learned quickly that you don't own shit. You don't own anything in this life other than yourself, basically. And so that was actually a good lesson to learn because you learn those lessons early and fast without a ton of risk, and you get to understand really how the world works, you know? so. Well, I think one of the things, which is a real shame, something that I came to understand um, a while back, is that... In a way, working as an artist, having all of your work online, it kind of makes you quite vulnerable in a way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what happens is, yeah, I mean, you'll be familiar with this. Like a lot of production departments, once they get up to speed, like the internet is such a great resource for going around researching, digging around for stuff. Yeah. And if you've got a, if you, you know, it can work two ways where someone looks at your work and goes, hey, we need to hire that guy and get you in. Yeah, thanks but to general, them. <laughs> but yeah, generally, the way these things work is that, like, you know, like production design or whatever, as a team, will be hired. They'll have people they want to work with already. They come in, and then they all start digging around on the internet once all the kind of seats are already filled, looking for what they want to do with it. Yeah. And at that, if you've got cool stuff up online, 
they'll just be like, oh, what do you think about this? They'll, you know, innocently come across stuff they get excited about as artists, share it with each other. And if it's good, they'll all get really excited about it. And at that point, it's going in one way or the other. Yeah. And then they'll be looking at how little they can change it and get away with it. When what they really want is a thing that you've just done. <laughs> yeah yeah well i think that we're we're both guilty of that as well i mean there's a lot of like um like ron cobb inspiration i see in moon and stuff but it's like it's almost like it's like a nod but also your eyes well, on creation this is this is this is a thing when the nod becomes something else because sure. I mean, this is a gray area um duncan and myself did a, a commercial for carlin a while ago and it's the carlin <laughs> c2 half strength lager and never really, it was a drink that never really took off. It was like a, a lager that had half the alcohol in. And the idea was... No wonder drinking, it didn't. <laughs> well, the idea was if you were drinking at lunchtime, which is like an old British tradition, you could drink twice as much. <laughs> it's a really weird thing. but Perfect. <laughs> it didn't quite work out. But the commercial aired and, you know, it was just a 60-second um, commercial with a bunch of robots in a bar. And the idea is these robots are stood at the bar. One of them orders this drink. Everything goes quiet. Um, all the other robots look at him, and then that, everyone kind of goes, okay, I get it now, and that's the end of the commercial. Um, and what we wanted to do, because like me and Duncan, like, you know, we're just super keen. It's like we've got a decent budget to work with. You know, we, I've got a whole CG team I've assembled. There's like 42 people working on it. It's like fucking great. Let's get like a load of robots in here. We can do all this cool stuff. So we were putting all these little details and stuff all over the place. And one of them was, um, you know, the Beetlejuice waiting room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that film. In the waiting room. You know, yeah, there's the the girl who's cut in half, the circus girl. Yep. And she folds her legs and looks around, and there's the two halves of us out there. Yeah. We basically recreated that scene with the robots. And so we made, like, robot versions of the characters in that scene, and one of them's a robot that's in two halves, and the shot's set up the same, and when it cuts to it, it just cuts to it for, like, a shot, and the robot crosses its legs, and it's basically like a, you know, like a a nice little kind of shout-out to Tim Burton. Sure. So we do that, goes out, commercial airs, turns up on YouTube. Busted. Straight away in the comments, some guys like um, really like ragging on us for ripping off Tim Burton and like, why, why don't we just, you know, do our own thing and, you know, we're just, we're just a complete bunch of plagiarist pricks and all this lot. And it's like, <laughs> you know, we, we, we love that stuff and we're trying to fold it into what we're doing because it's, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I could see I could see both sides of those things too because I could. But it's like he didn't. They didn't understand your intention with that, which is like you love that stuff and you're just. Thing though, it was such an incident. I guess when you get paid for it, it actually changes a lot of the 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 way that things are. I mean, that's why with the. I mean, that's how I look at it. If you're getting paid for it and you're giving an homage, I guess I think that's. And then you're using certain things. I guess I could see how there can be a conflict of interest there. The thing is, right, if that was the shot that made the whole piece... Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. You know, and it was like yeah. a really significant signature thing. Sure, yeah. Then that would be one thing, but it was an incidental cutaway. That sure. Mean, do you know what I mean? I totally... Like, yeah. You know what I mean? No, I, and I definitely see what you're saying. I think, for, I think it probably makes you feel like maybe... For me, it would, I'd feel like... Because I've had this kind of stuff happen. I'm like maybe ashamed, but at the same time, like, misunderstood and kind of feel... I, I didn't feel ashamed at all, because, no. like, you know, there were other comments when they were giving this guy a load of shit, saying, like, <laughs> what you're talking about. I don't read comments anymore, too. That's another thing. I'm just like, fuck it, you know? Like, oh, once, the, you, yeah. once you put it I, out I, there, it's just, that's what it becomes. I used to try, but then I realized, like, how massive the internet is and how, like, there's a lot of trolls out there, but there's also, pe- there's a lot of truth to certain things, but at the same time, 
my mind's not always ready for that truth because I'm just like trying to build and develop on different things. And so I allow, I allow like my peers that I have at, in, in my window of, of space that I create with, I, I allow them to be my truth and I just take it from there, you know, but yeah, the internet and the, the comments, YouTube comments themselves is like, it's like literally, <laughs> it's so funny. It's like the wild, wild west on there. It's so negative and, and harsh and just fucking honest <laughs> and real. Well, it's just raw as shit. <laughs> what it is, it's like, it's because the only people that take the time to comment are the people with some kind of an extreme opinion. Sure, And those sure. are either extreme bad or extreme good. And the people that are like just middle of the road, they just don't sort of factor into the brain enough to comment. They'll just watch it and go, oh. Yeah. You know. So yeah. it's like you don't hear from those people. All you hear from are the people with the extreme views that give enough of a shit to jump on there and comment. Yeah, I've almost like I've I've done it a couple of times where I would put the comment out and then I would uh I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't submit it, but I would write it and I'd think about it and I'd go, <laughs> "Nah." Yeah, because I'm like, dude, this stuff lives forever, you know? Like <clears throat> and um I like to be transparent, so I'd use my name, you know, and it's like, oh, if I'm trying to, you know, it's just you know, it's 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 difficult though you know I always try to be cautious uh, I find myself constantly self um, um, uh, conflicting interests you know like I'll say one thing and do the other um, what is that fucking saying what is that called but uh, man my brain's fried I'm tr- trying to think of it but no I think it's it's challenge it's challenging I think as you learn and develop. To, to be like this is it you know it's it always changes it should be changing and i think that's the the, the art of it but as you're go- going back to your thing and talking about exposing yourself and showing your art on in public domain and all that stuff yeah it absolutely is interesting i just had like a message this morning from some random user on behance i've never put my work up there until recently um because the photographer on ghost in a shell was like all about it he's like yeah put it on there it's cool you can get some exposure and blah blah but um I was like, okay, sure, I'll try it out. It seems like it'd be cool. And then, um, and then like, there's a guy that just literally, <laughs> literally took all the images off Coast and Shell, put it on his own thing. Is like my project. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, dude, really? <laughs> you fucking guy, I'm man. The rest of your life, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it was just that's. I mean, I. How's that going to work for him though? What's going to? Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, you get the job, and they're like, okay, now do it. That? Yeah, that's the funny and and sad, and and I felt kind of like just. Yeah, I just felt really sad for that person because I go, well, I mean, there's there's people that do things and people that don't, and and that guy's a person that just doesn't do things, I guess. He just nicks people's work and took all you. He he definitely does something. Yeah, he's he's getting well, he's getting he's getting our attention and time, and he's obviously is doing something right where he's getting our time on this podcast. We're talking about him, but at the same time, it just it's just more about him. It sounds like a little bitch. <laughs> well, it's just like it's just gross, and I almost feel like in the way I just feel kind of sad um, that that person would do it. But it's you know, fascinating though. Like, what are they thinking? Like, what do they yeah. expect to happen? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it is. It's a it's a it's a really interesting psychological thing where I think that people are addicted to this internet thing where people get likes and they're hooked on this thing and they want to just kind of be accepted and appreciated without putting the hard work in little that they know the, 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 the harder you work, the better it is. But at the same time, the, the more you change, you know, 
and that's it's scary it's scary to do it's scary to do hard work you know uh so many times i'd read about like even like george lucas for example since we're super nerdy and we like star wars like he had a divorce he like his family broke apart because of star wars mm. like he didn't understand how to put it to do together and, and work them make them happen i don't know the details i can't like that's a horrible for me to even judge that but like the prime example like that's it, in order for me to make star mm. wars this man changed his life like more than you know a normal person would you know that's how much he loved it that's, i i honestly crazy. i've got so much respect for george lucas i know it's like it's kind of quite easy how to can you not kind of yeah prequels but i mean the stuff that guy's done he gave us the original he put that amazing team together yeah. he made it all happen he was he was smart enough to get his old film teacher erwin kirshner into direct empire yeah uh, so many things he's done that are just smart all the way yeah. Um, you know, it's set up Pixar. I mean, you know, the the stuff that guy's done, the technology he's brought on. Um, you know, he he sold. Um, it's a great sold catalyst. So Lucas, Lucasfilm to to Disney got what nearly four billion dollars and just gave it all to charity. He did. You know, yeah. I didn't know that. That's, yeah. dude. Come on, I mean, man. Do you know what I mean? You <laughs> I didn't know that. that. That's that's beautiful. That's an amazing human being right there. Exactly right. You can't harsh Georgia for anything. Yeah, yeah, dude, I didn't know that. So that makes me like love him. You know, it's like, how can you not? It, it, I, I dare anybody in this fucking world to do that. You know, like give that much uh, of basically he gave Star Wars, his empire away to charity. Yeah. That's and it probably felt great to do that. He probably was like, fuck this thing. man, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like all these fucking it. good. <laughs> yeah, I, I created this world, and everybody thinks that they have fucking opinions to, to, to tell me what I, you know, I created. You know, I just <laughs> everybody, everybody who like says that they sort of moan about him and stuff, though. Yeah. If you, you know, if if they met him in the street, they'd be like, "Oh my god, it's George Lucas." <laughs> of course, that's the that's what I'm saying. The internet is so interesting. Where it's like it's the same equivalent where you're driving in traffic, and some fucking asshole cuts you off, and then you're like, "All right, like get out of your car." let's do this you know like <laughs> i'm not like that anymore i used to be very aggressive when i grew up i changed a bit because i matured in my emotional state of things it, sometimes i get heated but but when you go at and you try to go beyond the barrier of somebody in their shell they're like oh you're not this person anymore you thought you were this person because you had this barrier that's what the internet is and that's why i actually don't listen or read many comments unless i'm asking people for things but if i'm just putting out art it's just like here's my art here you go you know yeah. and i was thinking about it too and i talked about anthony about it a lot with anthony once we get one of our films or one of our things going to so we can go to the next stage i'm probably just going to delete all my, my website and everything and pull it all off and then just kind of disappear a bit so <laughs> i'm probably going to be doing that next year yeah well, yeah. I think I think exactly. I've got my game plan for that already as well. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, I think there's just different levels. Uh, I didn't go to film school. I didn't learn the, these things. Part of the podcast is is for people to learn from my talks with people. It's also for myself to learn, and so it's an exposure for myself. And but once I get to the next level, it's it's not about talking about it. It's actually about doing it. Right now, I'm just trying to consume all the information I can by reading and talking to working professionals and my own self and friends that I have and all that stuff. So. But the next dimension of that is definitely like just working with the team, very closed off, focusing on it. You know, that's at least how you I see know. it. <laughs> I'm surprised how similar you sound to myself, actually. <laughs> that's why I, I wanted to talk to you. Either. Yeah, yeah. I, I sent you a total bromatic uh, email in the beginning uh, when I first discovered your stuff. I was like, "Hey, dude, uh, 
yeah, we need to talk because we definitely have a lot of similarities, you know. And uh, and then I didn't get any I didn't get any feedback from you because I knew you're probably busy. We didn't connect. Well, sometimes, yeah, if I get like unsolicited emails, sometimes I sit for a little while. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. No, and don't you don't have to apologize. This is how it is. Um, there's a I'm there. I have a lot of the same experiences now, and I and I want to apologize to people if I can't get back to them. I understand how that is, but it, no, it's it's really cool. There's there's you know it's. When you find a kindred spirit, you know it's important to <clears throat> acknowledge that and 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 build upon that. I'm sure you had that when you and Duncan were creating things. You know, <clears throat> you can kind of tell. At least I'm just jumping to conclusion, but um, definitely it's definitely cool. You know, it's a rare, um, it's actually, an oddity. Something I just wanted to mention in case you weren't aware of this. Whilst we're talking about Star Wars, hmm. um, have you read any? Sorry, seen on YouTube any of the uh, Mr. Plinkett um, reviews of the Star Wars prequels? No, I die even see that's another thing. I'm not even gonna pay attention to any of that stuff. <laughs> um, do you know what I'm talking about when I when I mention them? No, what is it? Okay, there's a um, <laughs> a bunch of guys online called Red Letter Media. Okay, are they the honest I trailer guys? Pardon? Are they the honest trailer guys? Because those are hilarious. No. <clears throat> no, they do a they do a couple of shows online. Um, one of them's called. Um, uh, Half in the Bag, which is a pair of them reviewing films, mm. and another one's called uh, The Wheel of the Worst, which is really good. Where <laughs> they just spin <coughs> spin a wheel with a bunch of old shitty VHSs on there, and then uh, watch them and review them. <laughs> it's, uh, I just I really love watching these guys. I've got a lot of a lot of time for these guys. But one of the one of the guys is I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. It's called Mike Staclaza. I think that's his name right. Uh-huh. Um, he did like a, a sort of a, I think 70 or 80 or 90 minutes. He basically made like a movie length critique of the Phantom Menace. Oh, and he just, he I have seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. 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 Oh, those, yeah. those I thought were fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was articulate about certain things. So yeah. I, I, I learned a lot from watching those just with the, just the, the way that, um, the way that the films kind of failed to connect. Yes. The way that the tone was jumping around, and the way that um, the way that they were just they were just very inconsistent and just weren't really hitting the beats that they thought they were hitting, and just changed gear too fast. And so, what over. was the difference there? That's what I that's what I freak out about. Is like you know, when Spielberg had kids, his films changed. You know, when 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 Spiel, when when George became famous, did that transform him? You know, Coppola has even done it. He's even jumped the shark with like the prequels and all that stuff to Godfather. You watch the first Godfather and then like the later ones, it's like, what the heck? You know, it's like, what happens there? You know, are they believing themselves or is it? Is, is, I think is, it's is, all about it? your hunger. It's like, I mean, right sure. now we're at a similar place in our careers by the sounds of things. Like, you know, we both directed a few bits and pieces and we've got plans for, for bigger things. We've got features in development. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I presume you've yeah. got future development, yeah? Mm-hmm. Many of them, yeah. <laughs> it's trying yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, got a, I've got a couple on the rails at the moment. Writing and, uh, some right now, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and you know, we, we, I mean, I dare say that you really, 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 really want to do it. And you when you get to. the opportunity to do it, you will be focusing 150% on it. Yeah. And your whole intention is to just get that project done right. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, the you know, I, I brought it up in my last podcast. The thing I say, and I've and I've came to reality with it off of like a lot of my self help books is that the and this is just something I developed is like the richest man and the poorest man, uh, and not just money is, is the difference between them. I mean, the thing, the same thing that they live within is the context of time. 
and what you do with that time. So if you're if you're every day you're deliberate about your intentions and you should yield good results basically. So it's like just putting in the time, you know. If every day like uh, I haven't done drawing for the past couple of weeks, is I just been kind of focusing on my other stuff because I'm and but I'm going back to drawing and I'm like fuck, I forgot how to do this again. Like I gotta start this all over. And so every day I have to now I have to put a fucking hour aside every day no matter what. Because I have to sharp, keep that knife sharp, you know? Or I just, I suck. And it's just like, it's the worst experience because I get super doubtful and I hate myself. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> fuck my life. Well, this is why I don't do my own storyboards. Mm, yeah. Because I concentrate too much on the drawing. Yeah, I couldn't do it either. No, fuck that. Storyboarding is actually very complex for me as well. Uh, I don't know if it's that's how it is for you, but it's a... I would just, yeah, I would have a hard time unless I had somebody there to be like right over my shoulder, like, okay, that's enough. Like, let's move on to the next one. I'd be yeah, noodling and I'd be like self-conscious of like, oh, I didn't do like the the light headlights of that car ride. And, and then I'm just focusing on stuff that's too much where I would like to do previous stuff. But at the same time, I think that um, it's going to be really interesting with like Unity, the the game engine Unity uh, and, and the Oculus and, and developing things and, and, not needing certain things, you know. It's it, the whole the whole shift is going to be really interesting. So, yeah. Previs is um, Previs is good, but only for certain things. I mean, we really got to remember about Previs because I do. I've done loads of Previs, and I, yeah, I did Previs the yeah. entire the entire short film, uh, the entire twenty minutes of the Last Man. Mm. Previs the whole thing. Um, but the funny thing is, is that the Previs version was about nine minutes long. Oh. <laughs> and the thing is, is that when you're doing Previs, you don't really get any kind of an angle on. Um, performance sure and if you get if you get like a really good um really good performance like i mean honestly rich glover in the last man that guy just holy shit i i can't believe what because one of the things that i really needed to get um just for my own kind of moving forwards was i worked with actors loads like you know i had to work close with sam and moon with all the twin you know all kinds of stuff but um i've worked with actors a lot because whatever i'm doing in visual effects I'm on set in a visual effects capacity. There'll be something that's going on with the actors that I need to deal with. Um, but I, you don't get like credits from that. Do you know what I mean? So no, of course really, not. Just doing it, it though. Yeah. So it's like, even though I've got loads of experience working with actors, I don't have any credits working with work, you know, that demonstrate that where what people really want to see is like something that's got a performance in there and it says director you, that's kind of all you can do to really prove that. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. it's kind of it's loads of anecdotes. So <laughs> one of the things that I really needed from this was it was a couple of reasons why I did the short. It was to shake down a team for the feature and also to um, start getting a credit with a um, you know a, a performance from an actor on there. Yes. And honestly, you know that whole thing about like sort of seventy percent of um, of the performance being in the casting. Oh yeah, <laughs> casting like, super important, man. Yeah, I think like, so. This guy was just well. They, they take your words and they bring it to life. It's 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 it's, it's the magic, really, so of what film though. is. Yeah, it's yeah. so humbling because he let me put him through all kinds of shit. It's like he was. I mean, we we only we we're only shooting outside for four days and a day in the studio, but the whole time he was constantly soaking wet. It was really windy. It was freezing cold, and we were just blasting him with hose pipes the whole time. <laughs> what a dick! <laughs> and he's just putting up with it like a trooper. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was. He must yeah, really he love it then. Yeah, well, he's like a lot of actors. You know, the the good actors I've found are, are generous people. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the best ones, really. I've I've heard. Yeah, yeah. they they give to you, and it's like if you can 
I just Rich gave me so much. I'm so grateful for for what for what we did together. But holy shit, that guy! I will love him forever. <laughs> and you'll probably find that you know, like uh, a lot of these, you know, like the guys that work with, um, like uh, like Leonardo DiCaprio and stuff. Like he's in a lot of really amazing films, and I think it's just because of his maybe. Right. He's, well, he's just, he's like like a team player. I was listening to the Nerdist podcast with Tom Cruise on. And actually became a big Tom Cruise fan after getting a bitter, better under, in, uh, insight as to a person he is. He's just, he just sounded like he was just like absolutely curious about everything and just wanted to be a part of everything and like learn everything. And his journey and his path is actually pretty remarkable. If you get a chance, you should check it out. Nerdist podcast is actually really awesome. Mm-hmm. So but good. yeah, it's just wonderful. I mean, they talk a little bit about uh, Edge of Tomorrow, obviously, but um, it's. They're more, I mean, the, the bits that I got in the beginning, I didn't get to finish the whole thing, but it was really cool. Just, um, he was just talking about like his, his path and his, and, and he's just like, you know, he'd be like, a lot of actors would just go back in their trailer and I'm like, fuck, I want to go like see what's happening here and watch this next scene and see how this, uh, this person is working this dialogue and the director is using that and the DOP is pushing the light here and all that stuff. I mean, you know, he worked with Ridley Scott and Legend. It's just like, a, you know, how much more painter-esque film can you get you know it's like such a phenomenally beautiful film it's, you just frame every fucking shot from that film basically it's kind of like uh what's that victorian thing that kubrick filmed with a crazy low light it's the same kind of, yeah it's beautiful you know it's like phenomenal yeah, it's, it's like a painting phenomenal. yeah but those guys get inspired by like paintings and stuff and and and, and stuff so this is awesome though it's really it was a cool talk though it was just cool to hear a guy at his level with how much like he's still hungry, he's like, I watch a film a day. Like I'm, I love films. Like this is like my so favorite the thing. That, that, the hunger you talk about there—that's something I was gonna, I was gonna, I was getting around to when you were talking about like Coppola making missteps with the Godfather prequels and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I was talking about how we both got <clears throat> like features on the, you know, we're we're basically, um, you know, we're we're on the way to getting features out, <clears throat> and you know that's our kind of. Um, our thing right now it's our journey it's our um, the thing that fuels us and getting that done and getting to that point I mean I've got a there's a scene uh, I, can't, I kind of want to say something but I can't really say anything about it about <laughs> speaking there's a yeah. scene that I'm so keen to film it was like a, it's a it's a pivotal scene in the in the film that in the archive um, and I heard some music the other day and I was like this is it this is the music for that scene <laughs> perfect and, <clears throat> you're living it you're so open heard, for it yeah, I was just imagining myself being on set, like shooting it, and I was like, I, it still seems like it'll never happen, but you know, we'll get there. And that I know that that day when we shoot that scene, it's just going to be like just such a like surreal, beautiful experience being on there that day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're just envisioning it, you know, and you're making it happen. It's just through, you, you know, see it really yeah. clearly, and it'll be, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when you work. can when you can taste it, that's when you're getting close. I think that's really. Um, yeah, I'm developing an idea I had from a crazy dream that I had, and I've been talking a lot with Anthony because Anthony, and I write it and build a lot of stuff together. He's like a sounding board for me to help keep it as as best that I can, and well, vice versa. Really oh, Those it's it's, it's, pri- it's priceless, you know. Yeah, I, there's I mean, some people, and when you talk to them, things get better. Whatever you're talking about, even just you talking to them, yes, just you speaking and and running it through your mind yep. makes things better those Vice people, versa, yeah. those people i couldn't write in a vacuum i don't know how some of these guys write these masterpieces by themselves i really admire that ability they must have multiple people in their head or something or i don't know what it is but yeah I, the people <laughs> what's that 
they just don't credit the other people <laughs> yeah but it's probably it which i i just it's really gross i don't know i just i have a hard time that's just really weird um but maybe i don't know who knows you know like i don't know all the stories but that's probably a, a bit of it so <laughs> but no I, I think what you're saying is uh you know i'll I, i've been sick at the flu and so i'd be in and out of like a flea, a fever sleep but i'd be watching the film in my head so i'd constantly be like going through scenes and i'd go like oh that doesn't make sense and i'd like like through my sleepy days write a note and then go back to sleep and then <laughs> it's like becomes you you know it haunts you and i think like i mean we've done enough shitty stuff our jobs or whatever myself and speaking for myself i've done enough stuff where i go like if i'm gonna do anything i must love it you know so anybody that's listening out here whatever you is that you love we just love film so it just happens to be that we love film and and art and the creation of that you could love like brand design and branding and, and creating a, a company that's relevant or something and you can apply the same amount of love to it. Um, but the, the, the thing there I think that's important is the ingredient that's really key is to be really hungry. And I relate it to food always cause that's something that we can always relate to, you know, so, <laughs> you know, you're hungry for food. You're going to eat a good dish, you know, you're going to put the right ingredients in there, you know? So I think there's a time as well, like, you know, right now we're, we're kind of off the radar. We're doing our own thing. We can work at our own pace and make sure we get it right. Yes. And nothing you said about Kubrick, like, you know, you might not hear anything about him for a couple of years, but he's been working really hard every day. Yeah. Yes. You know, that's, that's us right now. That's a lot um, of respect. I, I yeah, would say shit if I could, you know, that's, 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 he actually respects the art form, um, beyond his own ego. I think that's, what's cool. Uh, he realizes that there's a time and place for himself and, you know, even like, I can imagine the amount of work that he did with Napoleon and then, um, and yeah. then somebody else made one. And then like, he was really focusing on the Holocaust and the war and stuff and doing a ton of research with that. And then, uh, uh, Spielberg did his film, you know, Schindler's List and stuff. So in, in, I mean, I don't know. Perhaps he was going too slow, but I don't know. I think that's perfect speed. You know, I think that you just taking time. Uh, I had to talk one time with somebody and I said, you know, I don't really care. I can make something with you or I can make something with anybody else. I just said, I'm going to do it at my own rate at the time that I want to. And that's just going to be it. That's a power in there. Uh, there's a uh, Anderson, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. I think I read something about the way he writes. He'll write a script. And as you know, is, most scripts are like, what, 120 pages or something like that, if that. I can't remember yeah. the average size of these things, but here we're like a 200 plus page script or whatever. And you'll give that to them and say, this is the film that I'm going to make. Either you support it or not. And this is the, I'm not going to cut anything out. This is exactly the film that I, this is a story I need to tell. And because he's got his ability to do what he's been doing, because he makes such phenomenal films, he's able to do it now. But there's a power in knowing your self-worth and knowing who you are and what you're doing, basically. And what I'm trying to get out here and so I think if you understand that, you can actually really control certain aspects of it, you know, not feel rushed, you know, not feel like, well, like I so many people are like, are you going to make the Ghost in the Shell movie? I'm like, fuck no, I would never want to make that movie. Like, you would always live in the shadow of the anime because anime is so fucking good. No matter what you do, it couldn't be better than that for me personally. The funny thing is about anime, though. <clears throat> you wouldn't translate it's either, too. Translate, yeah. yeah. There's so much anime and there's just two people in a room all driving in, driving in a car is a classic one. It's in Ghost in the Shell. It's in, it's in all kinds it's of, of his. It's a lot of Oshi's <clears throat> films. Driving, so. Just talking. Yeah. And it works great in the anime, but if you filmed that, it'd be the most boring expositional shit. <laughs> well, it depends on how you set it up, obviously. You know, there's that Locke movie. Um, uh, have you seen, seen Locke? Oh. Which all takes place in a car. 
I haven't seen yeah, it, but I've heard good thing. things about it. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's how you set it up. But personally, like, yeah, I'm, there's a thing to do it, but it wouldn't. It would. That's the thing about it. Wouldn't be exactly. It wouldn't. You know, you already it's starting to become a different thing. And yes, you know, and then it's like, why even? Why even? Talking to each other. Yeah, but it's like, why even make it though? You know, so that's 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 what's interesting <laughs> about it. It's like, why not just make your own idea? That's what I really, I, I you know, I have mentioned it in a couple of interviews. I say I, I I don't I like that like the, it inspired guys like. The Wachowskis, our guy and gal now, the Wachowskis basically, to create it. Um, because to create the Matrix, it inspired them, you know. Um, they might have taken some deliberate um, rips from it, but at the same time, they created something new for a new audience. Yeah. And I appreciate <laughs> that um, in a different context, you know. like, um, But I appreciate that because it's not like they're not just adapting and remaking the anime. I mean, I, I would like to see like guy like Spike Jones or uh, uh, maybe Paul Thomas Anderson approach something like a Neuromancer or something because that's not done yet. I think there's some people that are attached to it now. Cunningham was supposed to do it, but I think that it drove him nuts and he decided not to do it because he's like, this isn't a music video. It has to last this long. Oh, God. <laughs> so, But yeah, who knows? <laughs> Yeah, who doesn't? I mean, it's just got so much energy, and you can tell that he's uh, cursed with the same kind of thing. I think that we resonate with too is like it's it's a burden that we wear, and it's a part of just making stuff, you know. But yeah, I think I think one of the things about it though really is that <clears throat> you know when people talk about film, it's easy to get really passionate about it and just be like, yeah, it's all about the art and all this stuff. Sure. I'm sure we just said it's all about this. (laughs) I think the trick is that like when you're working as any artist at a certain point, for me, the trick working as an artist is that, you know, you have your education, you go to, I mean, I went to, I did a degree in graphic design specializing in illustration. That was my degree. Um, And I, you know, you come out and I came out of uni and I was like, right, you know, fresh faced kid, like, right, I want to be a comic artist. I'm going to fucking own the comic industry. You know, I'm going to blah, 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 and get my samples off, all this, that, the other. Um, comic industry collapsed. And I, at the same time, Sony had just launched the PlayStation, mm. PlayStation 1, and we're spending a lot of money marketing it and making computer games cool again. Yeah. So, <clears throat> or for the first time, really, making games very cool. So, what are you talking sudden, about? Nintendo? Nah, joking. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, there's lots Double of Dragon. Out. Yeah. <laughs> And um, so I'm working in the games industry, and I'm using all the skills I had drawing comics to work in games, which was great, you know, yeah. design skills, um, you know, all that stuff's there. Yeah, I think Ashwood is um, the same thing. Yeah, Sorry, go on. And, yeah, just basically spent the next few years just jobbing and working on various things and kind of understanding that I'm working as an artist, but I'm not doing my own art. I'm basically for hire, and so everything I do somebody comes at me and tells me what they want me to do yeah, and I'll yeah. do that thing for them and I'm trying to put bits of me in there or make it as good as I can yeah. but ultimately they, they have a requirement and I'm being paid to, to deliver that for them because it's an industrial medium and really, you know, it's easy to spend a few years doing that and get pissed off but really that's like, actually, congratulations, you're working as a professional artist, you've done stage one, you're on stage one of the, of the you know, thing and then the next stage is to get to a point where people value your art or your work um enough to finance that so you become the person that is leading the project and it's your kind of i hate using the word vision but it's probably the most appropriate word to use yeah it's it's appropriate you know everybody's everybody's like coming with you and you're doing your thing um 
you know, and that's that's when you're really kind of getting there because you, you you're still working in an industrial medium, but now you are the industry. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing is with film is that it's very easy to just get really passionate and go, oh, this film film should be like that. Films are much better than like that. <laughs> but obviously, they are a business, and they're all there is a financial um, system underpinning pretty much any film that, that you oh, should yeah. be involved in. Um, even if it's just, you know, you, everyone's doing it for love and you manage to get some money, you still need to get that money back for people and people need to be able to eat. So there's always, you know, there's always a money needing to come back to some degree or another. But I think the, the, the real trick in film is to <laughs> reconcile, you know, the, the kind of artistic, if you like, sort of flavours with the um, commercial flavours and then manage to get to a point where you can actually sell that in and get that stuff done and then do it right. This is why I think someone like Paul Verhoeven was so great with things like Robocop. Yeah, it was like a tongue-in-cheek kind of style. Almost in it was way. just so entertaining. It was like it was a perfect yeah. popcorn film, but it had all kinds of messages in there because it was so sarcastic. The humor yes, yes. was like so dark and so sarcastic. That's a really smart way of doing it, too. Yeah, it was yeah. really engaging. It had a real brain, yeah. and it was still yeah. telling a kick-ass action film with a heart. That's how he approached things, though, yeah. He's a, yeah, it's just fantastic. The, the, the amount of jobs that, that Robocop does as a film, the original Robocop, you know, the amount of um, kind of goodness it brings you and the box it, the boxes it checks, yeah. it's phenomenal. Yeah. It really is, yeah. And, and I was thinking about, you just mentioned like uh, Beetlejuice, and I was thinking to myself the other day, like how like I, I grew up watching that film, I love it, and I was thinking to myself, That's they would bad. never make a film like that ever now. Can you imagine getting something like that passed? Well, they, I think they would, but it would be, an, no. it would be a left field indie film that no one had ever seen. Sure. Suspect. Okay. Not but like a. Festivals. Yeah. Not. Yeah. It's, and okay. One would love it. Sure. Yeah. Well, of course, because it's a fun experience. It's a <clears throat> crazy tale, you know? But I, just, yeah. I was just thinking to myself, that's so interesting, you know, to think um, how odd this is, you know? But at the same time, it is what it is, you know? So. And I think that there's a dawn in an age and there's time for people that really care about it to go out there and make their own stuff and make, make content that they're proud of and they want to do and they want to be a part of. And I always say it too. It's like, be a part, be a, um, uh, what's that? The be a part of the world that you want to see change, or be the change in the world you want to see, or whatever. Ah, so, Gandhi, yeah. yeah, Gandhi, yeah, exactly. Be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, exactly. But I, you know, you can yeah. only sit and complain for so long. You got to go out and do it and see if it's you even able to, you know. So, and that's no, where, I can sit and complain for ages. Fine. <laughs> that's the easiest way to do it, though. But it's but you're only going halfway through, you know. There's never been a better time, though. If you if you want to make films and stuff, you oh yeah, yeah, art, and do stuff. or if you want to just basically create art, which is communicating, basically, if you want to communicate, it's the best time to do as a human being. It's no, it's been no better time to do so. Um, maybe I don't know, but yeah. I think one of the things for me that was a, a big revelation was it's actually a line in the ABC Warriors comic that uh, the black hole that busy. Um, illustrated, written by Pat Mills. There's a bit where uh, Terry, uh, the main human girl character, gets killed. And uh, just, it's uh, a gunfight and there's an explosion in a, in a tunnel and the ceiling caves in. And uh, Hammerstein, who's like a robot boyfriend, he's like running towards her trying to grab the rock. And he, he just doesn't get there fast enough and she gets crushed and killed. And there's a really nice panel box and it says, um, you know, in, it says, in real life there are as many last-minute failures as last-minute successes. Mm-hmm. You know, as many as many last-minute kind of deaths as last-minute saves. <clears throat> and then the next, there's a little box underneath that, and it just says half of everything is luck. Hmm. And for some reason, when I read that, it really stuck with me that like half of everything is luck. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's applicable, I guess. I mean, it, that's, yeah, it's just, you know, 
<laughs> and you can put yourself in positions where you can be lucky. You know, like as an example, like if you never buy a lottery ticket, you're never going to be lucky and win the lottery. Sure. But, you know, you can influence luck a lot, actually. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, well, I think it's like, there's a lot of dynamics to that. It's like it's a way of thinking, it's a way of being, it's a way of 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 just. It's a whole lifestyle, right? A whole it is. Lifestyle. Yeah, and and the most um people, the people that are most at peace um with themselves and the world around them that I know, um set themselves up for those experiences, this the serendipity of things, I suppose. You know, like being able to be content and happy um within. I don't know, within the confines of the world we all live in, but they just, there's a bliss to the way that they go about life, you know? So, and well, some that, ignorance that, is bliss, you know? So, yeah. There's, there's also the reconciliation as an artist where you're always going to kind of never really be happy with what you just did. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> never going to get that. Yeah. <clears throat> Again, that's another thing. I've come to terms with the fact that I'll die and I'll be like, shit, I wish I'd changed that or done that or, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a it's a curse, uh, and That's not everybody insane. sees that. And especially if you're if you're a content creator and you're creating things that are so personal to you, um, yeah, it's going to be really a, a very challenging trip. Uh, so my goal is I've been trying to discover a path of being smarter at living, I suppose. <laughs> so I don't like just hate my life, you know, because I take a lot of things <laughs> personal about like creating things, you know, and. Um, a lot of my friends do as well, uh, that create at a high level. It's just really challenging, you know? Um, but yeah, the design, I guess, is to try to find those places internally where you, you know, like, I, you know, I've been trying to figure out, like, I need to be just thankful to have my family, you know, and be thankful to be able to feed them and support them and, 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 yeah. and, and really enjoy those moments, you know? Um, you know, we have like a little dog I, and I want to enjoy like just chilling with him and taking him for a walk and stuff, you know, so this is the smallest of things, but those are really big, important, significant things. And I really admire people that have that balance and I'm striving every day for those things, you know, and, and, uh, I, I, I apologize for my, to my wife because, <laughs> you know, I call it the diva. I got, she had to deal with the diva, you know, me being a sassy bitch. So I'm always like, ah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> depending on what side of the bed I woke up on, you know, so, but <clears throat> I don't know. It's a challenge, you know, and, uh, I wouldn't have it any other way though. So I'm just thankful to be doing what I do and it's all based off of choices. So, well, that's it. You, I mean, you, <clears throat> the thing is though, the nice thing is that you're in a situation where, you know, potentially it could all work out very, very nice for you. No matter where you are right now, I'm really keen to see what you do in the film space. I thought that the, uh, the stuff that you did for, the Off Festival was really cool. I really liked it. And the Ghost oh, and the Shell you. stuff beautiful. Thank you. So I'm really, I'm really excited to see what you do next. Man, um, I, I got a pretty, some pretty crazy things in the line. So yeah, hopefully. And hopefully it involves some really crazy future technologies and, and a whole different way of exposing things. So no, I appreciate it. And likewise to you too. It's, it's cool. It's also really nice to hear that um, there's a there's a relation to the passion that we have here. And I think that a lot of the listeners have the same thing. Um, there's a, there's a direct connection with the passion at different levels, you know, somebody that's just starting to learn this process to all the way to creating their own film. Like, I think right now you said it perfectly, like we're, we're at almost our most hungry and desirable state right now, which is a really beautiful moment to be in. And I, I just want to take a moment and, and Anthony and I talk about it too. It's like, just remember to, to remind yourself how blessed you are, even if it's challenging just to be like, this is the moment to do it. And all these great directors that we love and admire their work, 
they were at this stage in some uh, capacity or some facet, you know, and they're and they push through, and that's what makes them who they are, you know. So love them or hate them, I have respect for anybody. It's like the same thing with like the jujitsu or not jujitsu, but like UFC. Like anybody that goes in there and does it, it's like, dude, even if you suck, that's like. It's yeah. dude, you're fucking, you're a beast in my book because like you're going for it and you're, and you've made it that far, you know? So I look at like guys that have made, you know, big blockbuster films. It's like, dude, hats off to you, dude. Like you, you can go ahead and make your shitty films. I, you know, I don't really care. I, at least I, at least I can watch this film and, and love it forever. You know, at least you gave me that. So it's, it's awesome. You know, like I appreciate it from that. So dude, I have to piss so bad. <laughs> we've been talking we were supposed to talk for like an hour and a half this is this sorry is, this, no it's my fault too this is some nerd romance right here that's happening i knew it would happen though i knew it i was prepared for it so i had like etched out this much time in my day because i'm like <laughs> i knew that because like when i read your blog that because that was my only um connection to what you're doing <clears throat> besides from you know the commentary from moon but i would read through the comments and i'd just laugh and go yeah this guy is talking and it's very similar so i knew once we got a chance to actually talk uh we would we would have a lot of fun just riffing off of the things that we love and admire and and, and have grown up with because it's a lot of the similar stuff so and um dude I, i'm just thankful that you came on i would love to whenever you're ready if you ever want to come back on i understand the obscurity part and if you want to disappear i totally uh totally I acknowledge that and understand that. But if you, when your, when your film's released out there in the public eye and stuff, um, if you ever want to come back and talk about it or any of your stuff, if you ever want to talk about it, you're more than welcome to come and chat. If ever. Oh, if appreciate the, that. that sounds cool. Yeah. I mean, well, maybe we should have a look at doing something a bit more focused at some point. Cause I feel like I've been sort of spinning all over the place. Well, I, yeah, but I think I would love to. And I think that, um, there's definitely a, um, a time for us to do that. I think that would be a, a wise thing for people to get more of a direct thing. But at the same time, like if you want to learn more about moon and how it's made, go get, go buy the movie support them and then go listen to the commentary because there's some useful bits in there. And then like now you get to understand you as like more of a person, which I find to be more interesting personally. Um, That's why I I like to talk about, you know, the odds and ends of the details of certain things. Um, That's this, this is what this, this is supposed to be. Can you imagine having to read this? This is like a 500 page book already, you know, (laughs) like I, I was no, no, but it's, it's just part of it. The, the, the creating a podcast that does this like i recently read eisner and uh, miller They're, they have like a inter- they kind of like interview one another over like a period of a week they do like a bunch of conversations and they took like the best bits and um it's it's like a it's a long book but i'm like damn i wish they somebody just podcast this i could just listen to this conversation because it's like it's a perfect it's a perfect uh, medium basically i think to do it um and no i think it's great and, and i i appreciate it and it's it's good it's good to finally be able to chat with you so yeah yeah no it's been really cool i do appreciate you hanging on as well i know i've been sort of moving all over the place in seconds a little dude long you guys had a kid so i'm like you know. <laughs> yeah let's make you know, a baby congratulations <laughs> make it a baby <laughs> yeah congratulations you know that's a big that's a huge step so that's a big that's a big deal all this movie. No idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Nobody does. They all think they. If somebody says that they think they know, then they're fucking liars. <laughs> Nobody knows. Just you gotta go through. Awesome. Oh, my dog's just outside my window barking. 
Yeah, go take care okay. of your pup. <laughs> but dude, thank you so much and, and have a wonderful day and, and I'll have links to all your stuff if you're if you have anything in particular you want to make sure that it's in there. Uh, at the bottom of the podcast we usually post up a little a little little blurb and stuff. So but um yeah. Yeah, uh, that sounds great. I'll just say keep an eye out for the last man at festivals. In about <laughs> I don't know, maybe like eight or nine uh, nine or ten months it'll be online. Perfect. <clears throat> if anyone wants to chat, hit me up on Twitter at G A V R O V Yeah. Um Dub Shy uh, watch Moon, watch Archive, get on YouTube, watch the um, intro film to the Off Festival, and uh, <laughs> no, have don't a do push that. over that. Then watch <laughs> Ghost in the Shell, then watch uh, Mr. Thoughts in the then watch Ghost in the Shell again. No, don't watch that. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, sir. What could be? <laughs> what could be? That's exactly it. Opening up the mind's eye. Awesome, man. Well, best of luck, and then keep in touch, man. Let's definitely keep our, yeah. our communication right, we'll, going. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll continue speaking. We'll speak into the future. Certainly. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this and getting this far. Yeah, if you got this far, you're a soldier, and it's amazing. And it's time for you to go pee. 